Hey everybody, this is Ryan. And this is Lady Chi. And we just wanted to break in for a few minutes before tonight's episode begins. For those of you who don't know how we put Polyfic Weekly together, well, it's it's craziness. It's kind of like driving the wrong way on the highway. But uh, on a good week, we record the episode about six days before it's released. We recorded tonight's episode on Thursday, August 23rd, and it's, if we do our jobs right, going to be released on Wednesday the 29th. Now, you're going to hear that Jen isn't in tonight's episode. Uh, I knew at the time, the other host really didn't, that Jen actually had to be taken to the hospital earlier in the week. Now, if you've listened to our podcast, and she, you can agree with this, we all know Jen yeah. as the smut addict. She's the one who gets attacked <laughs> by scorpions. She's a little confused. Grizzly bears. Grizzly bears. She's confused about the parking brake, isn't quite sure what under the table means in regards to income tax fraud. Uh, she's been, you know, sucked up by tornadoes, and she's had to be rescued along with her dogs, you know, dressed in trash bags by firemen. What else has happened to Jen? Jen's had a... Jen's had a rough life. Jen's, <laughs> Jen, Jen's one of those people that you, you you just wish was your next door neighbor, so you could just, like, plant your lawn chair out and just watch her all day long. <laughs> but the part of Jen that you may not know, unless you're uh, close to her, and I just have to point out, I've known Jen for all of six months, and I feel very close to Jen. Jen is I a feel can- like Jen is my sister. Almost. Yeah, it's... And and we felt that way after we knew her for a couple of days. Uh, Jen yeah. is Jen is a cancer survivor. She is one of the most humble people you're ever going to meet in your life. When Jen had her appendix taken out, it was taken out on the day that the podcast was recorded. This is a few months back. Jen actually called me to profusely apologize for missing the recording. <laughs> like we can't stress this enough. Jen is a very giving person. She puts everyone before herself. And, uh, like I said, she went to the hospital last week, and she's been released to home. She won't be in tonight's episode. She will be back in future ones. But she's going to have a rough few months ahead of her. She's going to need a lot of thoughts and prayers from everybody. And we just wanted to let everybody know, because the Perfect Weekly community is really turning into a family. And especially those of you who are members of our forums, everyone cares about everybody else. And... Jen is the first person, you know, to always bend over backwards to help someone else who needs her. So we thought this would be a great time just to let you know that please keep Jen in your thoughts. Please keep Jen in your prayers. You're going to hear from her, you know, off and on over the next few episodes. But uh, if you would like to send Jen a message, you can go to the Perfect Weekly Forum. There's a there's a thread set up for Jen. You can send her an email to Jen at PerfectWeekly.com. This is the time we just want to let Jen know that we're <laughs> thinking about her and just reminding her how much she means to us. And, and when I talked to Jen this afternoon, she really stressed to me that she's just really looking forward to hearing from people, you know, just hearing from you, the readers, and, and hearing from us, and just uh, she's kind of be bedridden for a while, so um, she kind of she's looking forward to the company. So if you've got a few minutes, if you've got some time, then um, I, I would suggest sending her an email. She'd love you more than words can say. <laughs> Because I really feel like we're kind of the three musketeers, and we're one for all. (laughs) We really are. I mean, when Jen's high on Vicodin and she needs someone to censor her comments, we're there. When she's high on Vicodin and she needs someone to censor her comments, we're there. When I'm... Not high on Vicodin, when I still need somebody to comment. (laughs) When I have a strong head cold and I can't podcast, they're there. So, really, it's, it's lonely being sick. It's lonely being scared. So... We just ask everyone in the Perfect Weekly community, if you've ever laughed at anything Jen has done, 
please send her an email and let her know how much it means to her because yes, it means yes. it means a lot to Jen. And we're you're going to hear from us in future episodes. But let's get back to the show. Like I said, this was recorded six days ago, so you may not hear a lot about this in the episode. But we we hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk a lot a lot about vomit tonight. Enjoy the show, everybody. Enjoy the show. For August 29th, 2007, this is episode 24 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Ready? Hit it. I was playing picture. For August 29th, 2007, this is episode 24 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Yeah. Hey, Ron. The next time you're... And welcome back to Parfait Weekly, everyone. I'm Ryan, and I'm here with Kim this week. And uh, Meg from our forums has been a member of Parfait Weekly for like six days, so now she's on the podcast. Hey, Meg. Hi. Meg is a little scared right now. She's from Wisconsin, <laughs> and she's never done anything like this before. But last week, Kim was the new person, and Kim seems to be doing very well. How you, how you doing there, Kim? Uh Hi, scared. Scared? Yes. You're like, I have a ceiling fan on. I'm afraid to suffocate, and I'm, I'm a That's little scared. Right. That's basically yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to be suffocating here. Now, everyone, we have we have bad news for you this week. Jen, as you can tell, is is not here. If she if she were here, she would have screamed, I'm Jen, by now, but she didn't do that. Sorely missed. Sorely Je- missed. Jen is sorely missed. Jen, I'm trying to think of a good way of describing Jen. It's like if you go to see, you know, like Equus and you fly across the Atlantic and you get seats and, you know, you spend hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars on hotel reservations and passports because if you're in the United States, you can't get a passport. And, you know, you get mugged at the airport and you're driving on the wrong side of the road and you crash into a deer. I don't know if they have deer in England. You crash into a skunk i don't know whatever the hell they have over there and you know you have this awful time and you can't and, you, and you're over tipping people because you haven't gotten the currency down yet and uh, you're really not sure you know you're looking for amy from the forums because you really have no idea what people are talking about when they when they say things you know such as bullocks which in the united states is a funny word in england i just swore there and you 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 get to equus and you know, Dan Radcliffe had the night off, and oh. uh, Jimmy, the understudy, has gone on. That's yeah. what people feel like when they tune into Parfait Weekly and Jen isn't there. They yeah. feel like they want to sue somebody, but they can't. But we have Meg, and Meg is fun. Yeah, Me- sure. I'm more like Jimmy, the understudy. <laughs> <laughs> this, well, I'm I- Jimmy's understudy. <laughs> Not quite as hot as Daniel Radcliffe, but close. <laughs> I really can't comment on that one, but I have to tell you this morning if I was Jen thinking, was here, she'd agree. <laughs> if Jen were here, she'd be reading smut right now, but Jen would definitely agree. <laughs> hey Jen, as she's like listening to this reading her smut, she just dropped it thinking someone's watching her. Um, <laughs> Hi Jen, we're looking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's right true. Your shoulder. But here, and here's the thing. And I was, I was a little concerned because we've done Genless episodes before. We've done, you know, we've done Gen on on Vicodin episodes before, but those have been, you know, special events. But we, we've, we've, we, Gen wasn't even on the podcast in the beginning, and maybe that's why nobody listened then. But Gen wasn't even here in the beginning. We predate Gen, but you know, I, I was nervous that people were depending on Jen's presence, and I, I was a little nervous about tonight's episode. And then I was on the Potterfic Weekly forum. Forum, uh, you know, in the last couple of days, and I spotted a, a, a quote from Meg, and it was on it was on a bad news thread. It was on you know bad oh. news of your day, and it said my two year old found a bag of chocolate. I'm still cleaning up the vomit. Oh, that's true. I'm still cleaning up the vomit. And I <laughs> said, not to, gone yet. And I said to myself, we could use this. <laughs> And everything will be okay, because me. Don't hold it against me. That's not what I was thinking at the time. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I think, I think Butterfic Weekly's gonna be just fine. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. And if you're nervous, Kim was very nervous last week, and and she turned out completely well. So everything went fine. Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to think if we have anything to. Does anyone have a funny story of the day? I know we're not Jen, but I think you know. Besides the vomit thing, I think we can channel one funny story. Did anything happen to anyone today? Well, kind of related to the vomit story. Oh, we, we want anything to do with vomit. Please, please <laughs> run with it. Well, after my two-year-old, he ate this whole bag of dark chocolate. That's what happened. He'd been trying to sneak into it for like a week. And I kept putting it away, putting it away. But he can sniff out chocolate like better than a woman, honestly. I don't know how else to say that. I was wondering so... where she was going with <laughs> Like better than a dark chocolate <laughs> sniffer. Exactly. <laughs> But he found it, and he ate the whole bag of it, and he puked. And then even after that, I thought, okay, well, he's going to not want to eat chocolate. And today, sure enough, he's finding chocolate again and eating it. Now, the thing with little kids, and I don't have a, I don't have a child yet, and, and when I do, believe me, you're all going to hear about it. I'm going to, like, cut off the discussion of our fic of the week to ask what exactly. the hell I do because my kid's got this rash. But um, <laughs> here's my question. Kids don't know when to stop eating. No. They, they just don't know when to stop doing anything. And they projectile vomit, I hear. Evidently, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I kept saying, you're going to throw good. up. And he probably didn't and, know what that meant. <laughs> well, I didn't even think it would really happen. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you I know, that's, that's what it was. Kind of like, if you hold that face, you're going like to get stuck threat. like that. Like, kind of right, like that. Exactly. Yeah. I thought, he won't actually eat a whole bag of chocolate and throw up. You just hear about things like that happening to people. It's like an unfortunate thing that happens. Like, after kids go to an amusement park or something. But... No, it really happens, so beware. <laughs> my, and I don't mean to make this the vomit episode, although I'm sure vomit is going to somehow end up in the episode. Actually, it already has. We already have an episode with vomit in the title. I think oh, it, man. It, it had to have had something to do with Jen. Jen had to have been involved in that. But I actually, um, I have a co-worker who has the, the cutest kid you've ever met. He, the, the kid's a tank, and when he was younger, he used to stand on his head. The kid's awesome. And he used to have this issue where he had a very strong uh, gag reflex. So this kid, you know, would throw up often. But he was so happy while he did it. And, and like, he would, like, be, Mommy, I'm not, like, laughing as he's... So. Oh, wow. All right, we need to change yeah. the subject. We're doing a volume <laughs> episode right now, and this isn't working too well. Kim, yeah. how, Kim, how was your day? Um, I left my computer once or twice and made dinner even. Wow. Yeah, it was oh. awesome. That's, that, that, that's impressive. Now, what do you do online all day? Um, you read fan fiction, don't you? 
Well, yeah, I do do some of that. And now I'm on a freebie kick, and I've got a, a really upset male lady who can't cram it all into the box. But I sit here and order freebies, little samples of, mm-hmm. of everything. And since we homeschool, I order educational supplies, too. So every day I get visits from FedEx, UPS, and the uh, mail lady with big packages, big fat envelopes, and all sorts of fun things. And and they all pile them into there and then into the box and onto my porch. And then I have to find a place for them in my room. So at the moment, we're a little cluttered, but... That's my kick of the day. No, I have to ask. You're not like hurting for company. It's not like when the FedEx guy comes to your house, you're like, would you like a sandwich? Oh. You're watching, aren't you? That's really what happens. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I've, I've still got two kids at home and a uh, husband, so no, I'm not hurting for company yet. Oh, I'm but sorry. When they, I'm sorry. When they grow up, thank you. Yeah, that, 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 that's quite the right. I have a mother. You do? I do, too. She calls me frequently to ask me how email works. Oh, my word. My mother won't touch a computer. How did you get your mother to touch a computer? Mine thinks that the internet is evil. All right, I have to say this. My mother's evil. been using a computer. My mother has a Mac. She has a Mac and she has TiVo, and they're the easiest things to use in the world. And she'll call me about once or twice a week and ask me how email works. Or she'll call me and say those words I have. Like, it's, I feel kind of like Meg at this point. You know, she can probably understand baby speak. When my mother calls me, she will say the following. Brian! The thing, it, it turned blue. What do I do? <laughs> wow, I think of I course hear that during exactly the day. Yeah, and I have to know what that means. My favorite was, she knows all the correct terms, but she doesn't know what they, she doesn't apply them correctly. For example, last week, I get the following call. Ryan, this is your mother. I just turned off my web browser. It's on the floor, and I don't know why the light is flashing. Can you call me back? <laughs> and then I call her back. And she picks up the phone and inadvertently hangs up on me. So I call uh-huh. her back, and I have a busy signal. And then I, as I'm hanging up the phone, my desk phone rings. So I answer that. I pick that one up, and I hear on the other end, you know, like like you know, the inside of a mine shaft. Like I hear voices distantly off, and then my cell phone starts ringing, and it's hurt. Like it's like the like. Please, <laughs> please send me candy. The can't. Meg, Meg, the candy you can't give your kid, just send it to me. That can be. My I way. need to get rid of it somehow. Evidently, <laughs> mail it to Massachusetts. You'll be fine. All so right. you don't get the call every four days that says, "Why haven't you called me?" No, no. Because she's too busy calling you three times. I get a that day. after one day. After one. And she's worried. Uh-huh. I get the message, Megan. Why haven't you called me? I'm worried about you. Are you okay? I got that. Day. How are the boys? Is everything okay? Like, yeah, mom, everything's fine. This didn't call you for 24 hours. It's going to be okay. All right. I, I, have a conf- <laughs> I have a confession to make. My fiance lives for the year in uh, New York City. She's going to culinary school, so she lives in New York City. Awesome. I know, but I'm really not getting any of the, uh, any of the food yet, but I, I'm, I'm yeah. with you with the awesome. And mm-hmm. I talked to her on, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. On Tuesday night, she, she had a very bad headache. She just wasn't feeling like herself, but I'll call you in the morning on my way to school. So I, I get, usually she'll call me when she's leaving, um, you know, to get on the train or I'm like the call when she gets off the train, no call. Okay. You know, you're busy. You, you get a chance to call. That's fine. So she's usually home by around four, four o'clock rolls around, no call. Now, if she's at an event or if she's somewhere, she always turns her phone off. So I call her phone rings and rings and rings and rings and rings. No answer. So of course I assume she's dead. So four thirty. 
rings and Obviously. rings. Yeah, because well, where, where, where else could she be? She's either dead or she's answering her phone talking to me. Those are the only mm-hmm. two alternatives. So rings and rings, no answer. Now, my mother does this thing. Danielle and I went out to dinner one night. People listening to this who haven't listened to previous episodes are wondering, where the hell is the A Year Like None Other talk? Just keep waiting. And, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're at the table eating dinner, and, um, you know, we, we, we leave the restaurant, go out, and I have, like, something like 22 missed messages. So, of course, I assume half of my family is now dead, and people are trying to frantically notify me. And mm-hmm. it was my mother saying, call me right away, call me right away, call me as soon as you get this. So I call her back, and she asks me if I can stop off at the grocery store and pick her up some milk. Well, yeah, that was important. So, of course, between 4 o'clock yesterday and quarter of 7, I believe I called Danielle 18 times, because I'm assuming she's dead. And she calls me back, you know, just before I'm getting in my car to drive to New York City to find her, to tell me that her phone was on vibrate. Oh, my God. I have be- so she didn't know why all day her buns were vibrating, but now yeah, she's figured it out. Exactly. And I, I am becoming my mother. And if there's any therapists listening to this, please email your, your current rates to Ryan at PotterFickWeekly.com. That would be very helpful. That's wow. Great. I'm glad that you can yeah. accept that there's a problem mm-hmm. and that you're willing to get help. Like, like I don't know. Like, is that normal that I just assume yes. death right in the beginning? Absolutely. That's normal? If somebody calls me after 11, I'm sure someone's dead. Every time. And then it's like when you when they tell you no one's dead, you actually get angry for a moment. Like, was, Yeah, like, was, why are you calling me? What Was death the preference, apparently? I, I don't know. <laughs> don't call like me when unless the call someone's does dead. Come, yeah. When the call comes and it is death, you're so shocked yeah. it's it's like i can't believe i ever thought one of these calls would be <laughs> death because when it happens i just can't process it yeah i think those calls come when you least expect it i had that happen right. my mother was in a serious car accident a few years ago and i just somebody oh, called me like one in the morning and i didn't even like i was not even thinking about it and normally i'd be like someone's dead mm. but that time i wasn't she's fine and everything but that's good yeah yeah, I got one of those calls that I had an elderly family member living with me, and she um, had a car accident uh, near our house. She was actually driving in an empty parking lot and managed, she was in the mall parking lot and managed to crash into the only object in this large empty parking lot. She crashed into like the cement handicap sign. So well, she's so, the one who taught my mom how to drive. Right? Yeah, and it, and it was, and she actually wanted to drive after that, and I sat down with her and said, okay, two things. Either you're blind as a bat, in which case you should never get behind the wheel of a car again, or you're the worst driver in the history of the planet, and you should not get behind the wheel again. And I'm so trying not to laugh. It's, it's a serious situation. You no, know, after that we were just like like and it, and 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 it, yeah. So then we get her to the to the emergency room. And we finally get her calmed down. She's very upset because her beautiful car, which was a piece of junk anyway, you know, has been totaled and all this stuff. And her son comes walking in and says, oh, my God, Ma, you look awful. And gets her all going again. So it was just... Oh, for oh, goodness. Oh, you yeah. scared her, huh? Yeah. He, he, he's, he's never been the best person, you know, to, to, deliver the, to deliver the bad news. And then he says, don't worry, Ma, we'll buy you a new car. And we all just kind of glare at him. So, oh, yeah. gosh. Yes. We should probably talk about Harry Potter at some point tonight, though, shouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, let's talk about really? Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> Who's Harry Potter? Potter. Well, it's, Potter. Yeah, it's, I forgot about Harry Potter. Since okay. July came and went, I, I don't even know what that is anymore. Kim, did you just say Potter five times? 
No, I you're, didn't. You're, <laughs> this happens to Jen every now and then. You're going to love the editing of this episode. All right. Uh, just a couple things before we get going tonight. We're going to be talking about chapters 12 through 22 of A Year Like None Other, which I was laughing about that today. We've had two episodes and we're 22 chapters in. For our first fic, we were on episode 7 by the time we got 22 chapters in. Uh, for the seventh Horcrux with Melinda Leo, we were like two thirds of the way through that series, and now we're on like episode two, and we're 22 chapters in. If it took me probably uh, maybe three or four hours to really get through and read these chapters, you know, and yeah. if this had been one of our previous fix, I think it would have taken me like a week and a half to read 22 chapters or 11 chapters. So they're long chapters. Seventh Horcrux is a long chapter. After the end was incredibly long. Like, like easily, easily, you know, one of their chapters, I said this last week, is probably like four or five of Aspen's. It was just tremendously long chapters. Mm -hmm. So it's actually interesting because when you read this, you know, well, first of all, when you hear 96 chapters, you immediately fall onto the floor. And you're like, I have to read what? I didn't realize before I started that it was that many chapters. (laughs) Did I forget to mention that? I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I knew I forgot to do something. Yeah, it's actually interesting when you think the way that she writes the chapters. It's, you know, it's like a little morsel. It's like like one particular thought or one particular scene or one particular change she wants to make to the storyline gets advanced Mm -hmm. in one little, like, bite-sized bit versus, you know, these other effects that have these, you know, like, gargantuan 17-part layered chapters that... You know, you have to read seven times, you know, just to pull in, like, all the details. So, it, it's... Well, let me... Well, Kim, when, when we get further into the story, the chapters get significantly longer. Is that right? Yes, they do. By the by, the middle of the book, their story, they're very long. Okay. So, basically... And worth it. Yes. <laughs> worth every minute of it. So, okay. So, here's what she does. She 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 says it's going to be a huge, huge story, but they're little chapters. So, you go, ha I can handle this. And then by the time you get to chapter 55, you're like... You suckered me in. Yes, but by the time by the time you're on fifty five, you get really, really angry when you get to the end of the chapter and there's no more of it. <laughs> because the it. story is just so involved by then that you just you don't want it to be over. We had um, I don't know if you listened to our to the after the end discussion, but there was a chapter near the end of that um, story where it like there there's this huge plot line throughout the entire story that deals with Hermione's parents and there's you know all of a sudden like after many chapters of nothing happening with them there's like very sudden movement in that plot line that happens in, at like suddenly at the end of a chapter and uh, yeah and well and and, and you want to know what's happening next and uh, one of our previous guest hosts uh, Phil you know he, he would print out the story and like actually like on his lunch break go out to his car and like that chapter I think was something like 40 printed pages and he would read the story and he comes to the end of it and he's like looking for the missing pages because there's no way they possibly could have left off at that moment. And he's like slamming his hands on the horn when he realizes there aren't any. So yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, they gave you so much, but you know, you don't want to wait the extra week. But I was even thinking that just tonight, I was looking them over again before the podcast. And it was, I was just trying to, you know, sharpen my mind about what happens in these chapters and even near the end of it i really enjoyed the um the, the later chapters tonight as we got to the end of, of these 11 and it, it it seemed like almost at the end it was like little moments like being advanced it wasn't you know massive plot development it was just little moments um mm-hmm. like yeah like, little details she's so good with the small details yeah. and they mean so much to the story 
Absolutely. Um, before we even get into that, I just want to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, to anyone listening to this, I encourage you to join the Polyrific Weekly Forum. We're starting, uh, by the time we're recording this, we're starting to consider uh, what fix we want to cover in 2008. We're probably going to wrap a year like none other sometime in uh, December, and then by then it's going to be snowing out, and you know Meg, for example, will be trapped in her house. Meg's in Wisconsin, so she'll be yes, she, I absolutely will be. She'll be in an igloo with with, with, with chocolate and a three year old, so that that probably won't bode well. And uh, just take a moment and just think about that, Meg. And um, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> We're the only podcast that has people actually crying by the end of it. Oh, and. My <laughs> And then we have Jen who just cries, you know, because the mailman's here. And um, <laughs> we're looking for what fix we want to discover. Discover. We're going to discover you. Um, what fix we want to uh, cover next year. We have a Harry Hermione uh, fic under consideration. We have a Marauder fic under consideration. We have an AU fic under consideration. I don't think we have anything canon like under consideration, but you, you never know. So uh, visit you, the Powerfic Weekly Forum and voice your opinion. And, yes, uh, vote. Basically, just hang out with us. We're, we're a very fun group of people. Like, every fandom has one. We're yours. That's basically the only way I can possibly describe the experience of the Powerfic Weekly Forum. It's like hanging out inside Jen's head for a day. Yeah, Meg, you've been here for a week. What do you think after a week? I love it. You know, I was going to start sooner, but the the summer is really busy for us here, obviously, Mm because you just pointed out that we have nothing to do in the winter, so we have to get everything we want to do done in the summer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've been really busy, but um, Linda was telling me that she was addicted to the forums here, and, you know, I've been on her mailing list since the seventh Horcrux was a a work in progress, Mm -hmm. so... She was telling us about it, and then I, I was finally like, okay, I'm going to go over there, and now I love it. It's I'm, like, addicted. addicted. <laughs> it's addictive. I'm waiting for, like, our first story of I was fired from my job for being in your forum too much. That's probably coming Seriously, soon. yeah. And ten house points to whoever gets fired from their job because of the forum. Uh it's compensation. Exactly. So sorry you lost your livelihood. Here's ten, 10 house, house points. points. <laughs> Maybe fifteen if you if you get like humiliated in front of your coworkers. Oh wow, fifteen. Oh, as, as that's many, temptation as, there. It's fifteen. Uh, I think that's actually all I have uh, for the week. We have some cool, exciting announcements coming in the weeks ahead, but I'll leave that for basically Jen to you know announce because she she gets so excited when she gets to announce things. She gets she puts her new shoes on. It's all exciting. Um. <laughs> And just in, bangle these cliffhangers and expect us to not complain. I know. Well, that's funny because then wow. everyone goes in the forum. What's the surprise? I'll be one that's, of them. <laughs> exactly. What's going uh, on? my way there now. Uh, and as always, when we discuss these chapters tonight, we're not going to spoil ahead. That would be impossible for Meg and myself, as we have both mm-hmm. read as far as chapter twenty-two. So if Kim says something tonight and you hear the following, ah, that means that that was from a later chapter and i most likely edited something out of there so it may sound a little weird but we're not going to spoil ahead anyone who's reading this with us you know never fear and you know for the next 13 weeks we'll have no earthly idea what's coming you know ahead either so in other words kim behave kim behave and yeah, don't spoil us don't spoil and what and if, well, if you just read it i wouldn't be able to discuss it it's 96 chapters yeah <laughs> yes, i have a two-year-old now and then when do you I, think I put all of this together? <laughs> I don't know if you realize this, but our podcasts are four hours long. I noticed. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
that's why last week I'm like, let's try this unedited and just see what happens. So maybe we'll do that again. Uh, all right. So why don't we jump into tonight's uh, discussion of A Year Like None Other. We're going to start off with uh, chapter 11, go up to 22. And uh, I've been trying to, we were just talking about this. I was trying to think of a good way to cover these chapters I think you know, from the foreshadowing that Jen's given, which basically is read this or I'll spoil it, was that it gets less plot-based and more character-based uh, the deeper into the story we get. Uh, these chapters bring us from the operating room where Harry's about to have his bone marrow surgery up to and including uh, the end of chapter 22 where uh, Harry and Snape, and I'll avoid calling him Uncle Sevsev, but Harry and Snape have their... <laughs> Sevi Poo. Sevi have their... Uh, they have the apology scene where uh, Harry feels as though he um, has not been forgiven by Snape. So, and everything in between. Now, I have to tell you, at first, I listened to these... Well, I listened to everything in my car. I listened to everything on my iPod, and I have a computer's voice... Uh, you know, read it over the MP3 file. And the good thing about that is that because the voice is emotionless, it, it has no emotion to it, I'm able... It's kind of like when you read, the words don't have any, you know, connotations to them. They're just words in a page, and you, in your own, you know, voice, you know, give the... You know, you, you put the emotion, and you put, you know, the emphasis and so forth on the words. So it really lets the reader, you know interpret the story in their own way whereas this is the first time I actually listened to these chapters from an actual human narrator and that kind of colored my first reaction to them and I've gone back and read them and I've gone back and listened to them you know through the computer's voice and I and I definitely think that helped because I I I, I, I the, the first time through it did not go well I'll just put it to you that way one of the big plot you know, shifts from chapter 11 up to 22 is like what we talked about last week. It's, it's, it's the metamorphosis of, of Snape. And it's not a case where, you know, Aspen is telling us that, you know, Snape has, you know, just decided to change for the better or Snape is not the same person he was the year before. This is Snape coming into new information and based on the person he is, this is, you know, the direction his character has gone to, and this, these are the changes he's making in his life. And our question is, as readers, and especially as people who are discussing this and, and you know reviewing it with each other, is it believable? And I think on many levels it is. There were a couple of points going through here where I just I had a great deal of trouble buying into you know very specific moments. I'm really curious to so did I. yeah to get your your reaction mm-hmm. on that, especially uh, you can. I swear to God, Jen will find some way to like crash a jeep through a brick wall to like participate in this discussion. Um, but I'm sure we'll hear from her if she doesn't agree with what we say. But um, there were other points going through here where I really really bought into it and I really appreciated the fact that Snape is still not a nice man and like I joked last week there's no way you could have had Snape you know peer into Harry's closet the privet drive and you know detect the dark energy and say give Uncle Sev a hug I'm so sorry like you can't do that but no, he doesn't join Harry's fan club quite yet. No, 
And no. but, but but so if I had any way to describe my reaction to, to to these run of chapters from the perspective of of the Snape, you know, progression towards Harry, there were many moments where I thought it was done extremely well. There were some moments I just I I just personally didn't buy into it. Although I'll put a little asterisk next to that and say that I think you know my the experience of of hearing it rather than reading it definitely. You know, effect, like first impressions or everything, mm-hmm. and I think that definitely, um, definitely affected it. But there were a lot of plot elements I'm really curious about. I have a lot of guesses as to what's coming next, and I, I really can't wait. Uh, like Kim, you know, is basically afraid to probably tell me if I'm right or wrong now, but I'm interested <laughs> to see if I, if I'm right on that in, in the coming weeks ahead. And um, I'm gonna give up the floor for a second, uh, Kim. What, what do you think about these chapters? Respond to what I just said. Do you? I really didn't well, say much. I think to- that um I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. There interrupt are- me all I'm interrupting you right now. P- oh good. Okay. Picture <laughs> yourself with one of those little pool noodles and just whack me. Alright, alright, I'll do that. Right. Uh I've read quite a few stories like this. Not like this, but I mean the Snape and Harry hate each other and then get along together in the future chapters so many of them are so much less realistic than this one. If there are moments in here where it moves maybe too quickly for some, it's certainly better than most of the others I've seen. But I haven't had too much of a problem with a lot of it, because if I put myself in his place, he's an intelligent man, he's a man who thinks before he acts, and he is beginning to realize that, what is it, five years? I think this was after the fifth year. For five years, he's had the wrong idea about who Harry is. And being an intelligent man, he's reprocessing what he knows. So because he Mm -hmm. didn't jump in the Harry Potter fan bandwagon immediately, I have a lot of respect for Aspen for the way that she caused it to happen after many very long chapters, but I don't see it as happening too fast in the beginning. I think that it happened in the way, in a realistic way. Well, <laughs> I'm not even sure what to say. I'm kind of intimidated because I, I feel differently. I think, um, I, every, I don't, there are parts that I feel like are realistic that aren't, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here, but not as, they seem more like something Snape might have done. And I, I'm happy that it wasn't like, you know, chapter one, all of a sudden, you know, Snape loves Harry or whatever. But so far, I, I can't really, I, I'm still, there's just a few scenes where I still feel like, uh, like when he says, when Snape says in chapter 12, do not be apprehensive. And Harry says that something about that being like a bucket load of comfort or it's not feeling like it. And I'm like, that yeah. is from Snape. That's that is a bucket load of comfort. And like I really liked that part. I thought that was good. But then some of the other parts with the occlumency I was feeling like they're I don't know. This is going to sound strange, but even just them touching seems like so like I'm cringing. Well, what, what that was especially and just to preface this, is this your first fic that you've read that's outside of like the canon box? This is like No. No, okay. but it is my first Snape Harry 
having any sort of meaningful relationship kind of fic. So just so, so we know where you're coming from, like, do you, are there particular ships that you will read outside of, you know, the Yeah, canon? I only will read one ship outside of canon, and that's Draco Hermione. So that's why I was kind of thinking, maybe I could give this a try. <laughs> you're like, it's almost <laughs> you know, exactly like, you know, Draco Hermione. Except, <laughs> sort you know, of, yeah. you know. It's very similar. It's equally, yeah. Well, which is kind of a, uh, well. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, even I was one of those people that before Deathly Hallows came out, I was like, Snape is evil. I don't like him. He's bad. You know, he's going to turn out to be bad. And I just really felt like he killed Dumbledore, you know. So now I'm trying to broaden my horizons and see things a little differently. Well, no, it's kind of like people like I have to say, like when when we get into like this, you know, in depth, like. According, like you know, compare us to like lay people who just picked up Harry Potter and read the books once. Like we're like we're we're like people in bumper cars with blindfolds on, driving around, crashing into things. I mean, we're like so deeply into the discussion of these books. This is probably be- beyond anything that Joe Rowling ever expected. You know, when she first started with <laughs> yeah. us. But you know, look at this. You know, fr- from from this level, when you read the novels, when you read the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth one. You know, a lot of the ships that we enjoy and the, the the genres of, you know, the types of ships we like and so forth and the types of fics, you know, a lot of people enjoy, you can tell when you read them that it's nothing like the author intended. It's not, you know, an alternate year seven or an alternate year six. Like, if you read Melinda's stuff or Arabella and Enya's stuff... Well, or, yeah. You know, this isn't, you know, like... You know, this isn't, like, a, a substitute chapter. I don't think anyone expected this to be a story of Harry's connection with Snape. But when you think of where the character went... Like, there were, there were scenes in, in these chapters when Harry thinks back to Snape on the Quidditch pitch in his first year... And he mm-hmm. thinks back to, you know, Snape and the way he treated Harry during his fifth year. There's enough of a relationship. The relationship between these two characters in the canon is very important. So a, a fic that focuses on that, you know, it, it feels on some basic level, there, there's a natural feeling to that. Whereas, like, you know, Draco and Hermione, you know, unless the the, the, the slap in the third book, you know, had d- deeper layers to it. Um, I never thought that till I read the fix. Apparently it does. Oh, apparently that, that was a big <laughs> moment in their relationship. Right. Evidently. <laughs> she, she slaps them. Oh my god, I want you. Exactly. Uh, but I'm 13 yeah. and I don't know what that means. And I'm so Once confused. I found out, you know, that's what it was like, secretly a love smack. And then I knew. <laughs> oh, oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> and that basically sums up the whole thing. Lanes it all. There you have, that was it. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be great if they like jumped each other and started kissing right there, and like and oh. Harry and Ron are like. Poor Ron. <laughs> Ron's like. I don't know why, but this bothers me so much. Ron randomly calls her a mudblood to see if she'll kiss him. Will you smack me now? Punch me, Hermione. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Death Eater he was carrying jumps out of his hand and you know distracts everyone. Right. Um, but like okay, so there's like you you can buy into Snape and Harry, you know something big happening there as part of the canon. Here's the other thing I want to say, and this is you know personal to me as a reviewer. I I'm a very you know glass half full kind of guy. You know mm-hmm. I wake like I'm kind of like the Lewis Black you know view of the world. I wake every morning and say, you know what, this traffic you know from here to my office, but at least I don't have smallpox. Like you know I really look for you know like the like you know like 
the, the good things to happen in the day. And, you know, when I review stuff, you know, I tend to go the other way and I'm like a perfectionist. So I'm very tough on things I read and things I review and so forth. Although, on the other hand, if if it's the worst fic I ever read, I will read it cover to cover because I can't stop. Except in right. one, case. one case, I had to stop. Uh, so I'll give you I'll give you this impression: reading Deathly Hallows, if that were the, if that were a fanfic, I would find at least five things in there that could never possibly happen in the canon. So it's easy for me to you know read something like you know a year like none other and say that could never happen in the canon because I but I say that when I read the actual canon. So don't listen to anything I say. I agree with that. Yeah. I felt that way actually when I was reading Deathly Hallows. Like, what? That could never happen. But it did happen. So you know, it's like you get used to reading fanfic and saying, "Oh, that could never happen." Yeah. Exactly. Then you read the actual book and you're like, "Okay, I have to accept this. This is what really did happen." Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so you know, as we and, and and let me even get more specific into into the problems I was having during you know some of the chapters I was listening to of this uh, because I was listening to someone read them. The, the person really put a lot of dramatic emphasis into, and, and I just have to say this too. I'm not, you know, I, I get, anyone who reads something, you know, and, you know, and records it for other people to listen to. I have a great amount of respect for because I really feel like when I have kids and I read them children's stories, they will actually fall asleep from boredom and not <laughs> because of they're tired at the end of the day. I am like, like you heard, like I was reading Jen's, uh, review last uh, episode, last couple episodes ago, because I, I, I had to put a lot of dramatic emphasis because other than that, I'm reading a manual on how to, you know, put together a home entertainment center. I can't put I'm, I'm not good with, with, with words like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I give people a lot of credit. I just want to put that out there. But when I r- listen to some of these chapters actually in my car, th- the person put a lot of emphasis onto, you know, parts that I didn't think should have emphasis. Like, for example, like, you know, Harry picked up the cup became Harry picked up the cup. And I'm like, why do I feel like he's running a marathon? So like, it really took me <laughs> out of the story. And, um, some of, some of the other chapters I read actually, uh, were, were very, um, beautifully read by um, a female narrator, but it almost gave the Occlumency scenes like a romantic mood. I don't and, know if that was just the female reader, though. I th- well, here's the thing. I think it was just. Well, yeah. I mean, the the the, the scenes didn't help, but you know, right. The, you know, if it was read, well, the fire didn't help. The fire didn't help, but I have to feel like if it was read by like Tony, you must protect the family. Like like a mafia right. guy would have gotten a completely different feel from it. But so I'm I'm so I'm like you know after I listened to these chapters on my iPod, I I pulled the car over on the highway, and I just aimlessly wandered in the woods. And, you know, so I, I read them again and again, you know, for the podcast, but I have to feel like that colored my initial impressions of it. Um, I can see where it would. Yeah. I wouldn't have liked that. I wouldn't have wanted it to feel romantic. Yeah. It's like, so, so now every time I read it, I, I see the romance. So, and I know that's not you know, uh, definitely yeah. the impression. So I was cringing against that. I was trying, I was saying, this is not romantic. Be an adult. This is Okay. This is not a bad situation. They're not being romantic. But, and here's the thing: in defense of, like, I don't know if it's me or not. Like, this is like when you're seven years old and someone says underwear and you start and giggling, you're giggling and yep. you don't know why. Like, is it me or is it like I don't know? So, like, here's the thing: it wasn't just you. <laughs> but here, here's the thing: I, I'm a strange person, and you're from 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 Wisconsin. It could be us, Kim. What do you think? It's entirely possible, I guess. That we're crazy people, or that that maybe there was 
something. I grew up in California, so (laughs) okay. That uh, well, the craziness certainly applies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can't deny that. I've known Kim for five hours, and I'm glad we're at this level where she can spot my craziness. I actually really am. Well, it's it's really not not well hidden. (laughs) I like her. (laughs) Thank you. No problem. Um, Yeah. And by the way, if you're from California, I'm I'm glad that you moved because apparently Yellowstone could blow any moment. Um, yeah, well, I was. I think that here in Wisconsin, I'm in danger. <laughs> Could, you know, because the Canadians are going to get it without a doubt. Oh, can I just <laughs> specify? Will get the, all I, that dust. I just have to specify something. Um, th- there may have been some misconception at one point during the podcast, and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, fast forward or listen to two episodes ago. Um, I mentioned the fact that, you know, why does it matter where in California Rob from Spellcast was because the Mexicans are going to blow up? I meant that if the Mexicans way over there were going to blow up, it doesn't matter, you know, how if Rob is three feet or five feet away from the explosion site. Mm-hmm. Some people apparently thought I was, you know, dissing Mexico. I don't I, I think there was just the way I said it was a little. And I listened to it, too, and I think everyone else in the podcast thought I said that, so. Love Mexico, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. Viva Mexico, whatever it is in Spanish. But just wanted to clarify my remarks from two episodes ago. Let's get back on track. See, Jen is the glue that holds us together. Mm. Well, so so we, we blame her now? Yes, we are blaming Jen. We're blaming her, yeah. That's why we keep getting sidetracked. <laughs> That's with explosions. Right. What were we here for again? What the heck is this? What are we talking about? All right. Um, so, so why don't we take this, you know, in order, you know, for once. Um, I Okay, so we, like, for the first, you know, sections of this, you have Harry on the operating table, literally. Which you, I want to say something about that. Go About Harry wanting the teddy bear. Uh-huh. Oh, I loved so that. I I, that was too. one of the moments where I was like, oh, like, I keep... I'm because tr- I'm trying to treat it the same way with the glass half full, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm really trying to see those moments where I'm like, oh, okay, I really like that. And I was thinking about how that just, like, he never had one. That totally broke my heart. I mean, my two-year-old has like forty stuffed animals, like, you know, they're all in the washing <laughs> machine. Right? Mo- exactly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, you know, a little worse for wear after the vomit incident, but. Uh oh. I mean, he still has, you know, and he carries them around everywhere, and they're a huge, they're a huge deal. You know, has to go to bed with them. So when I think of little Harry without a teddy bear, that just that was such a visual for me. Well, it's something that even Melinda said um, a few episodes ago on the on the on the podcast. She has, you know, several young sons, and one of mm-hmm. them had a bad dream, and she had to stay up with them and give them hugs, and you know, and help them back to bed. And she, as a mom, hates the Dursleys because she could only imagine if Harry woke up because of a bad dream, he'd probably have Vernon like smack him, you know, back into the into the cupboard and lock the door behind him. So when mm-hmm. when, when you think of Harry, you know, and like I said last week, you know, depending on how you're going to write, you know, your story, you know, Aspen's taking a very mature slant to it. You can take into account the fact that Harry has suffered traumatic abuse from these people. You know, when mm-hmm. when you're writing a kid's story, they're just like you know the villains with, with 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 you know like the horns coming out of their head. But you know, in this fic, they're they're terribly you know emotionally abusive to Harry, and and that makes perfect sense. And I don't know who wrote this. I think it was Melinda, but I read a line in a fic that I think really perfectly summed up the Dursleys. And it's one of those reasons I love fan fiction, because, like, one idea from a fic is something you always carry with you forward. And Harry always tried to get Petunia and Vernon to care for him. 
and you know when you're a little kid and the people who are raising you don't love you you think you're doing something wrong you you never think that these people are ignorant or you know they're just jerks you think that you can do something to get them to love you especially especially if you have no friends and you have no you know, base of support. So I can picture little Harry, you know, his entire life, you know, trying to get opportunity to love him and trying to, you know, please, you know, Vernon and trying to, you know, figure out what, what it is about him that makes Dudley want to beat him up. So, you know, that, you know, and, the, and wanting the teddy bear and all that, that just feels completely natural to the, to, to the character. I love that part too. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Like, that it, That's why, because it felt so natural to me. That felt like, it felt sort of, it made me feel better because it was canon-esque, you know? Like, it brought me back. It was like my comfort zone for a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, that's a Harry I recognize, a Harry that wishes, you know, that he had his plushie toy with him. That I, I felt good about. It was a really a bad good way. base point for this whole hospital scene. Mm-hmm. That he really, really needed comfort. Yeah. And he was in a position where it was going to be very difficult to get any. And it made sense to me the fact that you can come up with a plot-based reason why it has to be Snape there. And I suspect there's more to it, you know, than we've heard so far as to why Snape is the one who's taking on this role in Harry's life at this particular time. That's just my guess. But, you know, for, 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 for better or for ill, Snape is the one who is with Harry. And it feels very natural from a plot standpoint. And... You know, sna- now, okay. Now look at the. Sna- you know, what? I I went back and I and I listened to the first chapters again because I really wanted to get you know a feeling of how Snape has come from from you know A to B. You know, Snape is is a brilliant guy who is incredibly short sighted, and he is so into his beliefs. He believes some things so strongly, almost as fact, that he ignores literally. F- you know, true facts, realistic, you know, evidence, documented evidence to the contrary, because he wants to believe what he believes in. So he will believe that Harry Potter, you know, is, you know, James Potter. He will believe that Harry Potter, you know, is just an awful human being, you know, despite, you know, what he sees, you know, with his own eyes, what he hears from other people, you know, things that he has seen in his own past, you know, the fact that he can probably read and likely does read Harry's thoughts, you know, and what is it that, lets him overcome that you know he does meet the dursleys he does realize how calculating harry can be and this is one of harry's strengths the whole time through harry almost went into slytherin house and i liked the little part that was dropped in through these chapters that snape is an excellent head of house and snape while being someone who you know will not be fair to everyone does take care of his own and that's something i think that we've always believed about snape Mm-hmm. And, I agree with that. Yeah, and if Snape, if if Harry had been in Slytherin, you know, would Harry have been, you know, the spoiled brat of James Potter? I think based on the fact that he was in Slytherin, Snape would have seen him as someone who was completely, you know, off of the, you know, the the the, the parental reservation. He was, you know, someone who really is doing things differently than the past, and someone that you know, Snape could deal with. Because when you think of, you know, the Snape from the canon, he sees Harry at the welcoming feast, you know, he's got the scar on his forehead, he looks like James Potter, who, who, who Snape despises, and he gets sorted into Gryffindor, and he's pleased as anything that he's in Gryffindor, and to Snape, this does not bode well, and that really sets their relationship off. And, you know, I, I can believe the fact that when Snape sees how much of a Slytherin Harry really is up close, sees that Harry went through a life very similar to his own, 
And yeah. when and when he really sees Harry, you know, and I, and I feel like I'm filibustering this again, but this is, I guess, my my big thing here. You know, the thing that Snape does that few other people do to Harry is, is Snape will not coddle Harry. He didn't coddle him during Order of the Phoenix. He didn't coddle him during Philosopher's Stone. He demanded the answer that he thought Harry should have known. He demanded Harry, you know, shield his mind because he thought that Harry would know how to do it. He doesn't coddle people. He demands excellence. And what Harry demands of people is he does not want to be treated like a small child. And he wants information. And he's earned the right to be on the inside. And that's something very canon-esque about Harry. So I can see the fact that Snape will see that within Harry and that when Harry starts to stand up to Snape, he doesn't see it as insolence anymore. He sees it as, you know, someone who is is strong internally and, and Snape does respect strength, I feel. So that when, yeah. you know and, and I think that moment and I, I was I, I couldn't remember this during the last episode, but I remember that after we stopped recording, when when Harry goes to sleep and Snape watches over him, he calls him Harry. And I think that's the, that's the breaking point. That's the point when Harry is no longer, you know, James Potter's doppelganger a few years younger. That's the point where when Harry becomes his own person. So I feel as though the progression of Snape to this point has been natural. And I just wanted to say that as we go into the scene. I, I, I believe now that Snape can be there as a guardian, as a protector, as someone who can respect Harry. Up to this point, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with it. This is the Snape that I wish would have been. That I feel yeah. that's how I feel. Like once I mean and with the information that we got from Deathly Hallows, it really made me feel like he could have taken it two different ways. Yeah. And he could have taken it where he was like, This is Lily Potter's son, I'm gonna do the best I can to help him and not be a jerk about it. You know, so when I when I read this, I feel like sort of like a longing, like I wish maybe he would have been that way. That's it, sort of how I feel about it. it. Was, but he so chose not to be. And that's why it feels so kind of foreign to me. It was Lily Potter's son, but it, it, it looked he looked like James. And the only time I think Snape would ever potentially weaken was when he saw Harry's eyes. Because right. it, it was literally James always looking back at them, and even though James helped him, at, you know, one point saved his life, James, you know, was was the person who who ruined a lot of of Snape's life, and and that's something you can't let go of. And it's it's important to remember in the canon, you know, the moment when Snape dying stares into Harry's eyes. He's staring at Lily. It was never about Harry. Yes, and it was exactly. You know, when but he it said, could have been. It could have been, but it was never. Harry ne- was, was an afterthought. He he didn't mm-hmm. do it for for Lily. He did it. I'm sorry. He didn't do it for Harry. He did it for Lily. That was you know, Lily was the Patronus. You know that it, it was it was the unrequited love. It was the feeling of talk about a wizard's debt. I owe Lily Potter not even like you know I owe her a favor or I owe her a debt. You know I owe her everything, and I'm going to do this for Lily. That was you know the focus. And even when Harry, when Snape's dying, he stares off into Lily's eyes. It has nothing to do with Harry. But with that, I simultaneously liked Snape better and worse. Because Why worse? Of, well, because it was like he was helping Harry, but he didn't, I mean, he did not care about him at all. You find out through all the books, and I kind of had, a, I mean, as much as I didn't like Snape, I kind of hoped maybe he sort of cared about him. To yeah, some extent, but when you but you find out, I mean, he really didn't. He did not care about Harry, yeah. not at all. 
And that was so I didn't like him. But at the same time, to be able to love someone so much that you would do you would base. I mean, he had no life, basically no life. He right. he used his whole life for Lily, essentially. Yeah, and we have a lot of debates on this, especially on the um, on the PFW forum. By the way, PFW, you know, I've now decided to get rid of. I'm not calling this podcast PFW anymore. From now on, we'll be known as Puffwa. That is our new Puffwa. Perfect. I said that a couple of weeks ago, and I've been saying Sounds good. it. I've been walking around town talking about Puffwa to people. That it's going to catch on. Puffwa. Puffwa. <laughs> How do you spell that? Um, <laughs> it starts with poo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard to, on from there. it's hard to believe you're the mom of a two-year-old um <laughs> yeah and, you know when, yeah. When, when when you look at when, when you look at the canon you know snape is you know is the way joe rowling writes him you know he's a very complicated character but the way she writes the stories is that it's often black and white especially in the beginning and, you know, you have, you know, like, if you know this, like, everyone, like, you know, Minerva McGonagall, Severus Snape, similar leathers. You have Remus Lupin, you know, which indicates he's a werewolf. You have, you know, Matt, Professor Sprout, you know, is the herbologist. Like, there's there's clues in there that a lot of the characters... Scorpius. Yeah, Scorpius. Yeah, they're... they're <laughs> like, oh, my God. To anyone goodness. who, re- who watched Farscape on sci-fi, like, I'm picturing the poor kid. Kevin, man, that kid. I mean, I don't think there's hope for him with his little pleather, yeah, with his little pleather, with his little pleather suit on and his receding oh, hair. Oh, but um, I can't wait for the fan fictions to come out. John Crichton's following him onto the train as his like little friend with his little backpack. Um, <laughs> you, you know, like you get the sense that you know Snape is essentially from those of you who, unless you really get in and, and analyze this character, Snape is the bad guy. He wears all black. You know, he he yells at people. He he. Smacks kids in the back of the head, you know. Kills old men with great white beards, you know. He, he, Snape is, is the bad guy. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of that, you know, forget Deathly Hallows for a moment. When you think of just, you know, like what you see as, you know, a superficial reader, Snape is, you know, buh, 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 the bad guy. He's kind of like Voldemort on, you know, some ridiculously, you know, lower level. But he's he's written as the not nice man that you don't like. The, the women at Snape cast are, you know, bombing my right. car right now, but I apologize. But, you know, when you think of that, now think you're going to read a fic where Snape adopts Harry. Mm. This is kind of like a fic where, you know, Voldemort gives up his life in crime and opens a hair salon. It does not seem like something which could ever happen. Or a Harry Hermione fic. That's what it feels to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hear a mob approaching my house. I, 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 I lost it there. I don't know. <laughs> but re- sorry! <laughs> Richard's on the forum right now, you know, building know. a small fort. He's, he's building so a box and he's not... He's going to live in the box. Um, well, yeah, it has to be believable. But the thing with Snape is that I think a lot of the problem I had getting into this before I even read the fic was that Snape is traditionally a guy who's very intelligent. And you would expect someone who's very intelligent to be able to see the fact that Harry, quite obviously, is not a jackass. Leave him alone. Like, how can someone Absolutely. who is so brilliant who can you know you know spy you know for voldemort against voldemort someone who can literally he's he's the jack bauer of the wizarding world Mm -hmm. and you know you would expect him to be able to understand that this 11 year old in front of you means you no harm but he doesn't and you you would expect him to just you know on some level get the fact that 
you know, maybe he's, you know, he should know what he's doing, and he doesn't. And to, on some level, that makes you think there's no way he could turn around. There's no way he could be a sympathetic character or a good guy. But the thing I think that, that I keep forcing myself to remember, and it helps, is that Harry, while being, you know, the, the defeater of Voldemort and being, you know, this very perceptive person... You know, right. I've said it before. I've said, I'll say it again. Has the percent has the perceptiveness of a lamp. You know, people who do great things cannot find their car keys. Yeah, you know, not in this fic though. Neurosurgeons get lost in mall parking lots. Like that's the thing we have. Like Snape, you know, brilliant potions master. You know, probably plays the piano. He's probably an excellent golfer. You know, I'm sure. Really? I think he is. He's he probably can. Know. He probably like irons his clothes. You know, very. I swear, to God, he irons his underwear. But you know, he you know, <laughs> he he probably can build a mean snowman. He probably you know. Okay, I don't know about that. I can't imagine Snape playing in the snow. I don't know. I can well. I can picture. You know, what else can Snape? all that white fluffiness? Snape is someone <laughs> who can probably parallel park better than anyone in England. Okay, well, I'll give him credit for that. I can see that. Um, you, you know, he, he's he's probably... I can picture Snape mowing the lawn, and especially now that I've read this book, I know that Snape has, you know, <laughs> obsessive-compulsive disorder. Snape probably mows the lawn, and then he kind of, like, gets down on the ground with his little, like, you know, like, like nail clippers, and, oh, like, man. clips them so they're all perfectly, all OCD laced. Snape. Yeah, yeah. Like, all I can, while wearing black. All while sleep. wearing no. black. No! You can picture it with Alan Rickman wearing his dark green turtleneck and the gray <laughs> trousers. I was then I was like, okay, I kind of like the Snape. But what, you weren't picturing the hair though when you did it. You were picturing Love Actually, Snape. I know you. I've no, known you for no. an hour, but I know no, you enough no. to know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> I was pre- I was sort of thinking of oh, maybe like a combination, or maybe like the Alan Rickman from Sense and Sensibility. Okay, yeah. All right. You're- no, I can picture. I can picture Snape outdoors with like the nose cream on, like the sunblock on the nose. Oh, can, oh I, yes. I, I can, the, yeah. the big crooked nose and it's dripping off the front onto the small children who he's to- tormenting. <laughs> but that's the thing. You can picture a lot. From, but the thing you have to understand is that it is perfectly in character for someone so brilliant and so perceptive who can do such great things to completely miss the fact that the eleven-year-old is, in fact, not a jackass. So I, I think that it's one of the things I held against the idea of this fic, but now that I'm, I'm getting into it, I can see it. In this it fic, too. yeah, in this fic, if you, if you, when I make it, okay, here, you're going to have to edit this. When I, <laughs> when I think of Snape that way as not knowing that Harry had all those troubles, you know, and that he wasn't this rude little insolent kid, then I then I start to believe this fic more. But I think even especially after the fifth book, I think he knew. I think he knew that Harry grew up in a house where he wasn't loved. I really do. I feel like he knew that. And so, you know, when I think about it from the sense that he didn't know those things, okay, yeah, I can believe it then. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, but I think... That's not why he... I think, canon-wise, that's not why he didn't like Harry. I think he just didn't like Harry because he looked like James. Well, this is the thing. What we're asked to believe in this fic is that Snape, you know, ha- knowing what... Like, experiencing what Harry has, you know, been living through for all these years and seeing, you know, the, the, the inner Harry, seeing, you know, Harry, you know, as the calculating, 
you know, mm-hmm. family over seeing Harry's family life, seeing the way Harry responds to abuse, knowing his own personal life. There's something that clicks in Snape. And the way it's written is honestly that Snape had no idea. Now That I, is believable to me. In uh, that context. Well that my problem I mean my problem with it is I really couldn't see that Snape didn't know that. I really thought that Snape would have, you know, used Sludge Lamency on Harry at some point. In well, especially years. after the fifth book. Right. I mean he he had to, he that's the thing he had to have known it and one something th- yeah in in the story it's written as part of the plot that um through the pensive your memories can are perceptions they're not exact which is not true but well at the time yeah. i think at the time i think it was right is that correct? I, well, I thought that too i thought that before it was clarified that it was your perception okay so at the time so in, for the purposes of this fic you know the the, the pensive is perception um, mm-hmm. Although I like that with Legilimency, it's she never states if Legilimency is also perception, which maybe that's not a drastic leap. Uh, I could see Harry. It doesn't seem that way. Well, well, the thing though is that you know, say Snape reads Harry's memories, mm-hmm. and he he knows is 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 par for the course that Legilimency, you know, is shows you what the person's thinking, but doesn't tell you whether what they're thinking is what really happened or what they believe happened. I mean, seriously. You think Harry is, you know, a male Britney Spears who, you know, you know, loves the spotlight and just completely disregards the people around him, and you know, just the the the, the inner Harry that Snape, you know, envisions. Then he looks at Harry and sees, you know, his relatives locking him in the closet and they never give him food, and he he's thinking, oh, poor Cinder Brit- Harry, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you poor little brat. I'm sure you probably, you know, had your own car even though you were 11. Like, like I could see that, but I mm-hmm. I, I I have a great deal of difficulty reconciling the fact that maybe Snape saw. I mean, here's the thing: if two things happen, either Snape didn't know, he either didn't know because. You know, Legilimency isn't an, isn't a really um, exact science, and it's not provable, which actually would fit. Why can't you use it in a court of law? Just rip the memory out of the guy's head, and everyone knows what happened. So maybe that's the case. If that's the case, Snape had to see it to believe it. I can buy that. Or Snape knew, but just wouldn't let himself believe it. He was so pissed at James. He he knew it. It's in this happens to us all the time. We know things aren't right but we don't say anything or we pretend we don't see it i mean that's human but if that's the case why did snape seem blown away shocked by it when he actually saw the evidence and even seeing the evidence why didn't snape try and pretend he didn't see it that's where i have a little bit of difficulty with it so i'm going to assume for the purposes of argument that snape had no earthly idea what was going on and i sort of can reconcile that i think that's believable like if you think about when he saw the when they were having the lessons in Aquamancy and Snape saw the flash of Harry up in the tree with the Aunt Marge scene with her dog had him treed mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't mention feeling Harry's emotions or knowing why Harry was up in the tree. He simply got a flash of Harry being in the tree and a dog barking at the bottom. Because Harry, of course, just shot all of the dogs and lit the house on fire and is hiding in the trees. Right. So he has no idea what happened with his mindset about Harry. He probably thinks exactly that, that Harry was a nasty little brat who caused a lot of trouble, ran out of the house. The dog got mad and treated him. Right. So I I can can see him seeing it from he, he would have to color everything he saw, all the flashes of memories he saw. He would color it with his own view of who Harry is. 
He wouldn't. He wouldn't be thinking, "Oh, here's an abused boy." He would be thinking, "Well, it's about time they let made him do a chore, or punished him for something." Yeah. You know, he probably thought that that didn't happen often enough, and and it's a good thing that uh, it did happen now and then. Right. I so can believe he, that was in the context of this fic. Yeah, I can suspend my belief that way. Yeah, and to be honest, I can actually. I mean, th- that's the cl- that's the, the the clinker right there. If 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 Snape really saw Harry's, you know, exact you know detailed memories and saw everything that the, that the Dursleys did while at Hogwarts, there's no way he could, you know, we could justify this transformation because Snape would have already have known and would have discarded it. And, you know, wouldn't be that blown away. So I'm choosing to go forward believing that this is the first time Snape had any idea this had happened. And I think it is. And then later when they sit together and they do that scene you were talking about with melding their minds together, that's when Snape felt and saw everything and consolidated it all into a true view of what Harry's life has been like. Yeah, I mean, but here's the other thing, too, and we talk about, you know, Canon Snape, and Canon Snape, you know, never giving Harry an ounce of respect, and he's always, he's always, a, like a, like a gruff guy, he's, he's not, you know, he's not a nice guy, and mm-hmm. he, he's, he, it's not like he's, you know, he, he's even, he's even, like, you know, rude to the Slytherins to an extent, he's, he's, he's a stoic kind of, you know, slap him on the back of the head kind of guy, and he's very firm. He's very uh, big on on discipline. You know, like I said, he irons his tidy whities and you know that's 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 the character. I believe that. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's the why character. he walks so stiffly. Exactly. He's 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 got like so much cream in his pocket from all the chafing. And oh. I'm gonna let you guys <laughs> that's just. The visual. That, yep, I was just gonna say, welcome to the visual. And <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's how I see him. So. I had difficulty with Snape, you know, giving Harry the little shoulder massage, and, you know, he's not touchy-feely to me, so that, to me, just, I, I, I couldn't see him being, like, this is, the, like, the inner Snape is this touchy-feely nice guy that now, you know, Harry can learn and meet, because, you know, the, 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 the confusion has ended, and, you know, Snape sees him for who he is. And, right. and, and with, I had, you know, moments of problems during the first, you know, five or six chapters of, t- of tonight's discussion when that Snape would seem like he went too far too fast. But then there are times when Snape seemed dead on like the guy I expected him to be in this fic, in this type of thing. He does that a lot, though, where it seems like it, like you said, it's going a little f- too far for my comfort, but then it kind of reverts back again. And then I'm like, okay, let me take a deep breath. Now I can read more. Yeah, you know, because exactly. it was exactly. it, it went back again. Like even with the way Harry is, sometimes I'm feeling like, oh, Harry, I don't like that. You know. Yeah. And yeah, then he goes back down. to like Stuff the Harry. Exactly. Yeah. Especially the one thing I did not like was in that chapter. He said something. Oh, when they were talking about the gold, how he got all that gold from the Black Family Vault. Too. What was the exact and he button? says touch of jealousy there. He says that about Lupin. I was like Harry. Oh, sounds like oh. Lupin talking when he when he said something about having more gold than the rest of yeah. us feel is is decent. And Harry says touch decent, of right? jealousy there, like he thinks it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't like that. But then after that, no, he I feels mean... bad about it. And I was like, okay, I'm yeah. okay with that. And now. he's going back. I like that too. I think the thing that bothered me 
in relation to Snape is that his public persona and his private family and uh, Slytherin head personas are so far apart in this. I think that's where my problem is. It's not so much that he jumps from one extreme to the other in each situation. It seems to be his home and family and responsibilities toward the Slytherins is uh, is just a totally different persona than his teacher, fellow staff member, uh, hall monitor persona. Just right. Com- different, And that's hard to do because when we read a fic like this, those of us who aren't used to it, we're fearing this massive character shift to get Snape into the position of being, you know, a, a parental figure. So when we see that, you know, we don't know what to make of it. We're like, is this good? This doesn't seem good. You know, he seems like he's gone, like she's moving him too far away from the Snape I know to make the fic work. But the, here's the thing. I don't know if that's the case. I mean... I was talking to Jen a little bit last week. Uh, we had a botched recording on um, Pontific Weekly. I can't mm-hmm. believe that. And one thing I mentioned to her was I felt like at certain points Snape seemed inconsistent, and Jen snickered at me. I will repeat hmm. this. I said Snape seemed inconsistent, and she snickered at me. And this wasn't like, you know, snicker, 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 your car is rolling down the hill. <laughs> This was like, snicker, 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 I know something you don't know, I know something you don't know, and then does like the little potty dance. So... Well... uh, (laughs) Yeah. Now, now, am I making any... Yes or no? Do you have any idea? Am I making any sense here at all, or... I think... I'm not sure exactly what she was snickering about. I don't... I can't think of any... Okay. uh, ...moment of revelation, but I think as you get used to the style of writing used to this particular vision of Snape, then your mind can begin to divide the public and personal Snapes and be far more comfortable with the story. It did take a little bit of time to get used to who this Snape really is because he does have such a, such a huge disparity between his personal self and his public self. That snicker of Jen's was like her sneaky way of making sure you read the whole thick. I think that... Oh, yeah. Like, I know something you don't know. Keep reading. (laughs) Well, here's the the thing. I would do that to Jen and have nothing, you know, no reason to say that just other than, you know, just for sport and then have her read like a hundred chapters and be like, haha, I was just kidding, but... There's nothing to that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if she's playing me or not, but here's the... I mean... Everyone does this. When you when you read a book, when you watch, you know, a TV show and you see something that looks like a plot hole or looks like inconsistent characterization and then it comes back at you later and you realize it was this entire conspiracy plot that you weren't picking up on or it was something that was laying the groundwork for a big revelation. You don't know as the reader if it's, you know, just a, if it's just not effective storytelling or if it's lulling you into a false sense of security. You know, which is scary. Which is why I'm sitting here shaking my feet, going, oh, I wish you knew what I knew. Exactly. Well, that's good, because here's the thing, and I'm going to say this, mm-hmm. because I have this weird feeling that Aspen right now is actually putting her head into an oven and, like, trying to turn it <laughs> on. I want to say this now. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the plot elements of these chapters. I am, I am like, itching. Like, like you have no idea, everyone. I'm driving to New York City tomorrow, and it's, like, a, like I'm going to be in the car for, like, five hours. And for the first hour, I talk to myself. For the second hour, 
I, I, I usually am in, I am in traffic and I go over and introduce myself to the guy next to me. You know, in the third hour, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out when the last time I had a tire rotation was. Um, you know, but eventually I, I, wow. I start listening to fam and I'm like tomorrow, I gotta tell you, I, I really want to get to chapter 23. I am not going to talk to the guy in the car next to me. So Aspen, oh, if you're still, that sti- guy is missing out on he- so much just because of this fic. Seriously, yeah, and I just have to tell, you, and I have to tell you this too. Uh-huh. You know, you always, you know, picture, you know, the, you know, if you if you just met the person, you know, who was sitting at the table next to you at, at, at you know the the restaurant, but you left a couple of minutes early and you missed them, you could miss out on meeting me. And I have yeah. to tell you, there's people like me That's all over deep. the place. <laughs> like yeah, like ooh, it's like that commercial when the guy. <laughs> Um, didn't have his watch. Um, it, it tells like you know these people were going to meet in the street and they were going to bump into each other and they would date and they would have seventeen children and become president and vice president of the United States and all the like this wonderful life. Wow. But because his watch wasn't you know properly calibrated, they just miss each other and I'm like, ooh, that was deep. Similar <laughs> thing. So what I'm mm-hmm. saying here is tomorrow I am foregoing all of these friendships because I really want to know what happens next. I think that there the goes st- the presidency. There goes. I, I got to there tell you, the I, I can't be. Pre- could, could you imagine if I run for president and then, like the day before the election, they say we found this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and I lose seventy thirty. Everybody says he's crazy. Forget it. <laughs> They're like. What the hell? You never. He's making Harry Potter. He's obsessed Harry Potter. He's going after the. He's going after the Mexicans in episode (laughs) twenty-five. I lose Arizona. I lose New Mexico. I issue. And you're denying New Yorkers your personality. Uh, people in, in, in New York think I'm the ass who won't roll down his window. I see Jen on MSNBC trying to clarify <laughs> and all of a sudden I lose oh, the women. make it better. I lose the South. I lose the women. She's telling her theory on how Yellowstone is going to blow up. Montana goes for the t- other well, Her eyes are all buzzed because she's high on Vicodin again. And- Meg is screaming, <laughs> vote for me. Vote for Ryan. Vote for Ryan. And their kids puking on the voter's shoes. I lo- <laughs> Perfect weekly causes me to lose the election for family <laughs> all because of a year like now that i can't imagine this is terrible this is terrible and, and, aspen, and wonder why aspen's got her head in the oven all right aspen get out of the oven just get out of the <laughs> oven turn the oven off go sit down no i want to clarify too because i feel like maybe i'm being a little hard on it but i really am enjoying it and there is enough parts in it that are good and well written that I can kind of disregard the parts where I cringe or feel a little uncomfortable. Good. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough, there's more of, there's more things that I like and I'm enjoying than there is things that I feel kind of like I'm wincing a little at. And there are, and there are, there are, there are such great moments in here, and there are some moments that have me scratching my head, but I yeah. have to suspect, by the way, that, you know, that Kim is biting on her hand until it bleeds, that maybe there's something I haven't read yet that's somehow relevant. So I'm going to just go with yeah, that. There is plenty of that, but overall, this. I have never seen a fandom for. A fiction story for a fan fiction story like I've seen for this one. This this past week, people have been writing in with I swear they worship this story or they worship Aspen. They've been writing in with such incredible posts to her email group just to to say, You're an incredible writer, this is such a fantastic story. And 
I know how they feel, but I don't type in and, and worship. But I have read it three or four times, and I love it. And and your kid has read it too. You're eleven years. My daughter, yeah, she she read it when she was eleven. She's twelve now, and um, Summer Like None Other is the sequel. It's almost finished, and then she's starting in Brothers in Arms. In uh, you mean a year like a year like the year after a year like none other? Yeah. Right, oh, a year seven. Yes. So it's. Uh, this and is that's, going to keep us occupied for the next, I don't know, she said she figures it'll take her maybe two years to write Brothers in Arms wow. and a few more months to finish Summer Like None Other. So this is, we're along for the ride. All of these people on this email group were just waiting and waiting for the next installment with bated breath and, and theories galore. And I swear it's just like the canon series people with all these theories they're putting forth well i, have I know a, i did that i, I have know. a few myself and i have to tell you i suggested some of them to jen and she actually had to mute herself so i couldn't hear her either snickering or, or cursing me so i'll, I'll um, share them with you guys tonight because i have no earthly idea what's coming next but um one thing just to say too is if you're listening to this and you happen to be like a like 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 you love this fic more than anything and you're either you know preparing to assassinate me on the highway tomorrow or if you're listening to this and you, and you really want to chime in send us voicemails we will put we will put everyone on the show anyone who wants to say a message to aspen or wants to you know yell at us for you know missing something just voicemail in there's contact info at the end of the show um cool, because aspen is a fantastic writer and i would love for her to be able to hear that yeah absolutely and i'm gonna say this right now it, it is an extremely well-written fic because there are there are moments of it that feel so believable and i why don't we get into a lot of the we've been yakking about this for a while let's get into some of the plot here um moments in this that really felt so natural to me the the, the scene i'll just bounce from whatever different order um at the end of these chapters uh snape and you know from the moment that snape's uh dark mark you know, essentially starts to burn until the mm-hmm. end of it. Like I was ri- like, it was so well written and Harry's reaction to that was so entirely believable. He's come to trust Snape. He's come to see past, you know, the animosity that he's had and bear in mind where Harry's coming from in this. This is Caplock's Harry year two. You know, mm-hmm. this is like, it, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. And, you know, he he's coming to depend on Snape and, he needs to know what Snape did. He needs to know if Snape can live with himself for doing it. He needs to know everything. And it's so desperately important for him to know that because he is depending on this relationship. And and Snape's reaction to it, I have to tell you, for all the moments where I'm like, not really sure about the characterization here, or, you know, the moments where I was like a little, you know, wishy-washy, Snape's reaction to that was so dead on perfect that mm-hmm. is the snape i expect this is this is snape as i would expect him when he you know forces harry you know almost into the pensive he is brutal with force he is enraged you know and, and he he's he's brutal with force and that's the that's the relationship between harry and and snape and and how it's different from all the other relationships in this fic harry and snape don't pull punches around each other. You know, Snape, you know, will will, will use magic around Harry when Harry has no magical abilities, and he mm-hmm. he will trust Harry more than other characters will. He will tell him the truth, and he will force Harry to see everything that happened that night because you asked for it, you're gonna get it. And I love the the line that 
and here's obviously there's a lot of you know comparing and contrasting between Remus and 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 and, and Snape and and how they treat Harry when he says you know where he's screaming for for Lupin to help him he's gone too far he's screaming for help and same reaction as he went out to get you ice cream yeah, yeah. You know, it's like Lupin's still stuck in you know the kids ten get him some popsicles get his tonsils out mode and Snape's about to force him to watch you know a murder rape like it's it's yeah. it's it's like seriously look at the way these two can, like you could not, there's no there's like like they're as far apart as you can possibly get and. He gives him the choice, though. Yeah. And that really, to me, demonstrated the difference in Snape. Because I don't think the, the canon Snape, or even just the Snape from the beginning of this fic, would have given him that choice. And so I thought that that was a huge, that was like a huge turning point for me. And I found that really believable, because it was still in the context of Snape, like you were saying, being brutal with him, being, you know, you need to grow up do the adult thing. And I find that really appealing about this relationship, this with Snape and Harry. I think that it's believable and I think that it is something that Harry craves and so I I do like that part of it. I thought it was an excellent scene too because Harry and Snape are both at a point where they want to believe in each other, but they're both still really guarded. So Harry wants to believe that Snape is as good as he's beginning to think he is, but he's afraid he's going to have to disregard all those new feelings about him if he goes out and rapes and murders at night. So he has to see for himself that Snape isn't doing that. Maybe Hurt is behind his reaction and how he treated Harry, that Harry could believe that of him when he's starting to come to admire Harry. And then you have to question, Harry knows that Snape is is still a functioning death either, you know, and maybe in name only. And Snape knows that Harry knows that he's still a functioning Death Eater, at least in name only. The Order knows. It's common knowledge amongst those on the inside. So on some level, you know, you could you could argue Harry should have known this could happen to start with. He, he This is not information. He didn't find this out, you know, during the story. He knew a year ago that Snape was working with Voldemort, you know, at least in name only. But But Snape had to have known that there's this expectation out there that he does awful things to stay in, in Voldemort's favor. True, he found a way out of it. He found a loophole to keep Voldemort, you know, at bay and to keep him from having to do these heinous acts. But you shouldn't assume that other people know that. Right. So I don't so, think he cares. I don't think he cares. Well, that's just it, though. I don't think he thought he cared. Oh, that, that's just... Until that, Harry accused him. That's or, what I'm saying. I mean, when you look at this, you know... They're, they're, they're both, they're, they both start from a funda- fundamentally wrong position. Harry did not think that Snape was goody two-shoes, and Snape did not think that, you know, there was this expectation out there that Snape would, 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 would never harm, you know, a child. Like, he's a Death Eater. Of course he's going to mm-hmm. do awful things. So they both start off with, I think, unrealistic expectations of the other. Right. But it's it's tot- I mean that's the thing. Snape represents reality. I think at this point in the fic, unvarnished. You know the world is messy. You know awful things happen to good people, and Harry gets that. Harry gets that from the graveyard. He gets that from from the ministry. He gets that from <laughs> the fact that he has no parents and he grew up in in the Dursley's closet. He gets that the crap happens to you. Uh, and, death. I mean that war is about death, not ice cream. 
Right. He's not a normal kid. He watched a friend of his die at 14. You know, he, he, he watched his godfather die at 15. You know, the mm-hmm. only, like, the, the father figure in his life has been lying to him all these years. He has no parents. He was abused as a child. Like, Harry's, like, Harry does not have, you know, like, when Dumbledore offers him candy, you know, like, I can understand why Harry would react in the way, you know, like, you think candy's gonna make me feel better? You think I respond to candy? And, and yeah. I get that. But the thing with Harry, though, is that he wants in, but he doesn't want the mess. He wants to know, you know, if, if Snape's hands are clean, but if not, he doesn't want to know what happened. He wants, in, he wants to, like, put his foot in the water, but be able to jump out if necessary, whereas Snape's reaction is, if you're going in, you're going in. So either get out yeah. or get in. And Which I, I totally feel for Snape on that. I was agreeing with him at that point. I was like, okay, you want to find out for real what's going on? Okay, then. Find out. You know, don't just go in halfway. Find out yeah. all that he has to deal with. And I completely, from that standpoint, I was feeling for Snape in that part. And I mean, that says a lot about so this fic, if I was fe- feeling for Snape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's, when you come to that point where you're, I had sympathy for him. And okay. I even saw that as being like he was hurt, you know, instead of Me just too. angry. Yeah, that it hurt him that Harry could think that he wouldn't find a loophole and that Harry thought he was all perfect and and not dirty and and thought how can you not see what this is really all about yeah I don't know if I'm explaining no, that right because, he, like even to draw like a parallel to it think of you know like okay you're a soldier in Iraq and you have to shoot someone or maybe you're involved in an incident where you shoot someone thinking they're trying to kill you, and maybe it was a civilian, or maybe it was a fellow soldier. Or, um, I don't know why I'm thinking of this exact example, but I watched um, a, a television show years ago, and there was, you know, someone knows that the enemy is about, it's a wartime scenario, and someone knows that the enemy you know, is about to um, attack us. Like, we've cracked their code, and they know... We know now that we've cracked the enemy's code that they're about to attack a small village and kill 20 people. And if we go and save those 20 people, they're going to know we cracked their code and they're going to change it. But if we let them kill the 20 people in that village, they won't know we cracked their code. And then we can wait until they're about to attack, you know, a a city of 5 million people next week and stop that one. So, you know, what do you do? So it's, it's a thing, you know, do you kill 20, do you let 20 people die, say 5 million? And these are tough choice. Like what do you, okay. So say in in that example, they let the village be destroyed. So now you could have saved 20 people, but you didn't. So did you help murder them? Are you complicit in their murder? It's a very complicated issue. You're Snape. Do you say, I will not do, for on moral reasons, I will not go anywhere near Voldemort. Okay, so you're going to let the Wizarding World be destroyed. Right. So, well, that's a through story right. even in canon. Yeah. You know, what? Ex- to what extent will you go to for the greater good or whatever? You know, so... But I that's why I really like this scene, though, because I feel like even for us as readers, we wanted to know. Yeah. And here's you the know. thing. I, and, and I will give – I have to give Aspen so much credit. Voldemort needs to be scary. And I cannot picture any more gruesome or scary or realistic of an event to, to, to have to describe. You know, the torture, the rape, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the humiliation of this, of, this, of this muggle-born family. And when you think of what happens in Darfur, and when you think of what happens in areas of the world where there is genocide, and when you think of, you know, the concentration camps of the past, and when you think of what's happened on this planet, 
someone like Voldemort would resort to those means. I really felt like in Deathly Hallows, I joked about this. He was like the he was the the guy with the, with the bullhorn. You have one hour to comply. Like like that is not you know the supervillain to me. He's not like right. the guy you know who's giving one hour and you know he's filling out TPS reports when he takes over the ministry. That felt weird. Like like her 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 Voldemort is gruesome. He's grisly and he mm-hmm. is is an awful. You know, excuse for life, and that's what Voldemort would do. Maybe you could tone it down and say he only shoots people, but Snape is a part of this. Like, I think she actually really, you know, she really reached into the plot to to, to save Snape. I expected Snape to have participated in some way. So did I. And I wouldn't have blamed her if he did. And maybe the, I, I think there's more to come. So I'm not going to, you know, say that was a bad choice because I think she's she's going to do an amazing job with this. But how, like, no, I wasn't disappointed. I was just surprised. I I wouldn't have blamed her also if he had been participating. And my reaction to that is, okay, you're Harry. You know he's a Death Eater. You know he does these things. You're yeah, get ju- over it. You're, you're going to judge like. Like, right. like I, I can never talk like you like is in, you know, he should have, you know, found a way to stop it is in, you know, like you, what, what about this is new to you? Did you think why, if you knew he was doing things like this or you suspected he was doing things like this, he would have stopped it years ago. If he could stop it, he would. So you assume, so the only thing I can think of is Harry's thinking that Snape just doesn't care that it's happening. Like it's. It's human. Harry should think that. He should be disappointed. You know, he should, you know, be just like, you know, like, like in the example I just gave, you should be disappointed that, you know, the general didn't save the 20 people. But do you honestly Mm -hmm. think they just didn't think of it? Right. Yeah. How far will you take it? You know? Yeah. Are you going to be disappointed when you have your first? I'm sorry. No. When you have your first savior in your life. You begin to see him with rose-colored glasses because he is the first one who stepped in. And, and uh, I mean, Sirius wanted to, but Sirius was a little bit nuts and <laughs> certainly not <laughs> in a bit. position to do anything real for Harry. So if he sees Snape as somebody he can look up to, finally, there's an adult who cares what he does, what happens to him, who cares to keep him in line when nobody else did, who cares to hear his opinions or what's going on in his life. And then he he wants to fear, I mean, he wants that to be an undamaged, perfect person because he's only 15. He wants to look up to this guy like he's a I don't know, a god maybe, somebody, a kid wants to look up to their father, Harry yeah, wants to and he's been let down by so many other people. Well, we can understand right. that, because as readers, for us, that was Dumbledore. So this actually felt like what you're saying about how he wants him to be perfect, he wants him to not have, you know, any of those flaws. No um, dirty hands. I can totally, right, I can completely understand that, that, like, serious longing. It's not reality, but especially even for a 15-year-old, but not even just for him, for anybody. You want that. Yeah, it's like I said before, right. when, when you're 11, you know, the, the old guy with the white beard is grandpa. He can solve every problem in the world. And he can fix everything. Mm-hmm. And he's infallible. And when you're 15, he's, you know, a kooky old man who, who has no idea what, what, what he's doing. And, he's, and you don't like him. And he's lying to you. And he won't look and you in the eye. And he's giving you candy. Yeah. And, he's, and if, you, if I haven't seen the movie yet, but apparently he runs around a lot. I mean, you know. Like, oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah. <laughs> but. I um, started on that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. I'm working on it. But um, I read too much fan fiction. What do you want from me? But, <laughs> I mean, oh, you haven't seen the movie? 
No. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I hear it's coming out on DVD. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's you. Know, that's human. So, like, okay, you're 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 ten, you're eleven. Your dad controls when you get to watch TV. Did what? What's for dinner? Is he going to bring something home? You know from the city is, is is a toy for you uh you know when are you going to get your allowance will you get a raise in your allowance um will you get punished like dad controls the universe it's very mm-hmm. humbling when you get older to realize that dad's hurting for money or dad missed a mortgage payment or you know dad didn't get the promotion at work or when 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 a parent becomes human mm-hmm. it's really scary for the kid because there's there's no preset boundaries bad stuff could happen that isn't supposed to happen and it isn't fair so i think this is and i I just have to repeat this i i have no problems with this plot at all i think it's very human i think Mm -hmm. that that you know from harry's perspective he expects snape to be the guy that he wants him to be harry thinks he deserves that after being let down so many times and from snape's perspective how dare you judge me? Did you think I didn't want to stop this? Did you think that just never occurred to me until you, the brave Gryffindor, brought it up? Like I've like what the fool? I could have stopped it. Like of course, like 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 <laughs> right. what? Yeah, like, yeah what, but I think you're exactly right. Like where? That's, yeah, that's like true. what? Like where did that? Where the hell did you think we were going? Did you think Voldemort took us all out to to you know to the ninety nine? Like like this is what we do. Like we're, we're we'd be, well, obviously that's what the Death Eaters do. At yes, the party. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Can you picture that? Like in a wholesome way. Voldemort takes them oh, all yes. out for like you know to like an IMAX movie and they're all like sitting there and oh, like the it's death, all cuddles. The Death Eaters are talking and Voldemort's like shh in the background with a big thing of popcorn. Like like what do you think we're doing? So I really found that believable. I and what like little things I found very I, I won't use the word believable. I'll say very enlightening and very profound. Snape, you know who had like he 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 had a meltdown when Harry looked into his memory for like 10 seconds before this this gruesome act that snape was in, i'll say involved with he didn't participate but he was involved with he, well, le- he watched yeah he watched he left it on the table at grimmel place for like a week and a half <laughs> like he doesn't take his memories back with him he leaves them there because because dumbledore knows and lupin knows and harry knows. he just leaves them there because harry can look at them again and again and again if he wants to because it's it's not mm-hmm. a private moment for snape it must be a humiliating moment because of course snape wanted to stop it and he and he didn't and he sat there and it's weak it's like you know a cop who can't stop a riot and people get killed and he's just standing there because what are you gonna do i mean it's 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 gotta be like every time Snape does that, it must kill him inside. It strikes me as you're saying it that he's almost punishing himself. Yeah. By letting Harry watch uh, yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, he is. And he wants to. Yeah. And and that's really profound. Like I didn't even think of that, but I'm glad I made you think of it. Um, you know that he wants to he wants to punish himself and he can't, so he lets Harry he lets Harry say you let me down. Harry say you're weak because maybe Snape thinks that about himself, but just doesn't want mm-hmm. to articulate it. How come we never really did find out what Lily and James did for Lily for a living? I know that's totally <laughs> sort of off topic. When I was reading it, I was like, yeah, thanks for answering that question. What did they fanfic. What did they do? I actually can't recall right now. They. They, I don't think we ever found I don't out. Think she ever said. Aspen didn't didn't say it. 
Oh, no, oh you mean in this oh, case? Aspen said that they were doing the work of horrors, but without, yeah, without the pay. official capacity. Okay, that made sense. For some reason, I th- a lot of people think they were unspeakables. I couldn't remember if she had said that. Um, yeah, so it's like, you know, James really is unemployed, I guess, if you really want to stretch it. Um, yeah, well, that, I think Joe really, like, set us up. Like, there'll be this, you know, amazing revelation about Lily. She was good at potions. And Harry's eyes are incredibly important to the plot. They look oh, like yeah. lilies. <laughs> it's like <laughs> wow, the same thing we've been told for every single book. Your eyes look just like lilies. Like you can picture like the fandom like moving forward in their chair, like waiting for the rest of it. Like and like, mm-hmm. oh, that's nice. You know yeah. what? With that whole thing, and this down. is kind of off topic, but I remember after I read that chapter in Welcome Deadly House, I was like, I think I, I think I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've known this all along. This is kind of a weird feeling. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I think we in the and and the fandom guessed that, but then we did the whole. It couldn't possibly be this thing, so we came up with these. Like people said, like they were at, like Harry actually had like Lily's eyes implanted into his head, and they were actually Lily's <laughs> eyes. Like like I people people went really deep into it. It was really like, <laughs> no, you look like your mom. <laughs> That's it. But um, that's all there is to it. <laughs> and yeah. we really did see a lot of weird theories over the last few years. I really was like down to find out they were nothing. nothing I don't think I ever saw the Lily's eyes being actually transplanted into Harry. That's kind of gruesome. Who said that? It was um, it was Arabella who is the co-founder of the Sugar Quill and wrote After the End. We asked her, Uh um, you know, to answer questions about the After the End universe. So I think we said something like, "What what what else is in Harry's Gringotts vault?" And she said, "Lily's eyes. They're actually in his vault, and he actually has Lily's eyes." That's, that's morbid. <laughs> You're like, I'm from Wisconsin. We don't do that. We don't talk about removing eyeballs and putting them, putting them in places. Gross. <laughs> Man, that Especially movie rests in children. Peace. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. no, I, well, moving I on. thought it was something. <laughs> I thought it was something. I just couldn't think of what it was. You know, like everyone else. Yeah. I was willing to listen yeah. to the theories, but... <laughs> There's got to be something else in there. This is sounding so intelligent. I thought it was something. I just didn't know what it was. There has to be something there. There has to be some plot point I don't know yet. He looks like his mother there. There you go. There you go. Well, so many of the things, like, in the books, though, this is so off topic again, but, you know, I mean, they basically just said it. Even with Harry being a horcrux, which I absolutely did not believe at all. I was not in that camp at all. I mean, but it is everywhere in the books. Everywhere. I actually, th- I, I actually, I thought that pre Melinda, um, Kim, go read the Seventh Horcrux. It's the one that sounds exactly like Deathly Hallows. Um, okay. And yeah, I mean, like, right down to Horcrux, it sounds just like Deathly Hallows. <laughs> yeah, but but um, like I think from when you, you can't read the second book and not think that. So I, I did see the seventh Horcrux coming. I just actually have a question. You said you took a lot of notes for, for a year like none other, and they actually reminded you, you had a lot of um, Deathly Hallows uh, comments. comments. I'm like sitting here. There's like dead air for like 10 seconds. Comments? <laughs> the voice Ryan like drops dead. Comments? <laughs> <laughs> when did I start talking about myself in third person? <laughs> 
Jen, come back. Quite some I need time you. ago. Jen, I need you. <laughs> Jen's the crazy one. If but if she's not here, it's clearly me. Somebody has to pick up the slack. Absolutely. It's like um, it's like the Seinfeld episode where George got smart by not having sex on becoming Jen. Uh, Meg, what, did you have a lot? You, okay. Yeah. No, actually, yeah, I'm thinking of one now with creature. I was thinking about this, and I know, like, maybe after OOTP, I would have felt like she was, like, let's murder Creature. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But I guess after reading Deathly Hallows, you know you're tainted. I mean, you know it now, what he ended up doing then in that book. So there's not really a way to get around Well, he became Alice Brady. (laughs) But I was thinking, I mean, you have to know something about me. I'm, like, the hugest defender of Hermione ever. Like, she, I mean... I will defend her to the death. And, like, even me and Melinda get in fights about this all the time because she says that she's irritating, <laughs> you know, and I'm defending her. Oh, I love so her. When I, I have to tell you, my fiancé is like a carbon copy of, of Hermione, so I can't not defend Hermione or I get to So was I as a teenager, so I have to, yeah. I have to agree. Yeah. Oh, you were a carbon copy of Hermione as a... I was, a, yeah, I was the one that people yeah. well, beat that's up. How I, well, I took Hallmark. notes for the podcast, so hello. Yeah, I There's thought about there. the, uh, <laughs> the resemblance to Hermione. When I got into my 30s and 40s, I think I, I became a little less Hermione-ish. Well, hopefully she did the same thing. <laughs> yes. Hermione is that way. <laughs> a little less like herself. No, but I was thinking when I read Deathly Hallows that that Hermione was so right about Creature, and Dumbledore was too, how he just needed a little kindness, and he would come around. But I really didn't like that Creature was murdered in this fic. I just was, I felt so unsettled with that. And that Harry was, like, picturing killing him. I was like, oh. Yeah, that yeah. part was disturbing. But, well, here's yeah, the thing. Harry I'm thinking to be- myself, I'm like, Harry, you know, he's he's doing, you know, in the beginning, he's holding Snape's hand, and he wishes he had a teddy bear as a small child, and he wakes up, and he's like, you're silly, because he's, of course, like, I just have a question. I did, have a story about that, too. <laughs> I just have a question. Did anyone, when when Harry was on, was on drugs and trying <laughs> to remember what year Gilderoy Lockhart, you know, was his teacher, and Sna- even Snape is laughing under his breath. Did anyone else think of Jen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. No, I read it too early. I didn't I know where that. Jen, but I thought about my own experiences with just doing that exact same thing. You know, where you're like, because well, he asks him like three or four times what year he taught defense, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yes. I, when I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital and the nurse gave me some Stadol. <laughs> and they said to me, I asked them, I was like, well, how's it going to make me feel? And they were like, it'll make you feel like you're drunk. And I was like, okay, hit me with that. So <laughs> You're like, I'll have a double. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put that in my IV now. But um... yes. <laughs> So I remember my husband tells me later that the nurses would come in and I would like start telling them my, my whole life story. And I would tell them what to do, like what their job was. And tell him, like, you should check my blood pressure now, and you should do this. And I was just told, and I would just say all the weirdest things, and I don't remember, like, half of it. So when I was reading this, I just thought that was so true to life. I just, <laughs> yeah, have, to, I just have to tell you later, the, the aunt I was telling you about earlier, the one who drove her car into the thing, she was in the hospital. Uh, she actually passed away earlier in the year. She was she had a lot of things. But she was in the hospital, and uh, they put her on, I, I, I'm going to get this wrong, she was on morphine and on another very strong um, painkiller. Like I can't. Remember. She broke both shoulders, and she was on. She was tremendous. Oh. She was she was drugged out of her living mind. And 
we couldn't tell the difference in her like like we couldn't tell because she was oh, so wow. she was so out there normally like she was fun <laughs> but the things this woman did were hilarious she was so out there we couldn't tell a difference but the nurse walked up to her like one day like my mother and I are looking like we were on like you know how you you, you go to the relative's deathbed and you're very somber and after like seven or eight or nine or ten days you're like is she gonna come oh, back wow. like, like we like literally got rid of her apartment you know you know, divided up, you know, like gave her clothes to goodwill. Like this was it. And she, she started rebounding. We're like, Oh my God, we're going to have to like buy her a new bedroom set. But, um, and she was like, she was completely like rock solid lucid. And then she looked at me and asked why there was a horse outside her fourth story window. Oh, wow. Oh. And then you just reminded me, the nurse walked up to her one day and my aunt had this beautiful smile on her face. In what grade are you in, dear? <laughs> like, wow. It reminds, it, like, I thought that was so freaking believable of, of Harry. Like, Harry's just, <laughs> Harry's drugged out of his mind to the point where even Severus Snape is laughing at him. And then you're thinking, oh, poor Harry. He's misunderstood. He's had a tough life. And then, he, you know, he's beating creature's head to like a pulp and then kicking it and I'm like uh-huh. okay Harry's now the kid who set his rabbit on fire when he was 12 yeah wow I was yeah. really disturbed with that you said it exactly right Kim it being disturbing I couldn't get was, that image out of my again, head <laughs> but after what creature did I wanted to do it to him too so but you yeah, okay after the fifth book I agree with you at that point if I, especially if I had read this fic, like, just after I read OOTP and, I, you know, assuming the other two weren't, the other two books weren't around, I would have felt the same way. Because I was mad at Creature, too. But at the same time, you know, being the defender of Hermione that I am, I was always thinking that, that her being kind to Creature, even when he's calling her mudblood at every turn... I, I kind of always felt like that was going to come, that something about that, what she was saying was right. And even when Dumbledore was saying she was right about that, you know, if Sirius had been a little nicer to Creature, it could have. And I mean, that the proof was in the pudding then in the seventh book. I mean, that was true. He totally did it in about face. So he became right, Alice yeah. Brady. I th- it was. Yes, it was a huge, huge difference from OO. I, I love. I know. I've never heard anyone actually say out the whole acronym before. I'm like, what? From book, yeah. from book know, five to book seven, creature has made the biggest change. We think Snape is different. Can this? I just say this? Can I just say this? I am so like to to Aspen and to Melinda and to Arabella and Jenya. I am so hard on fan fictions. Could you imagine if someone gave me a fan fiction where Creature was, Master, I've put on mac and cheese for you in the mud blood. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Hermione. Like, could you imagine yeah. what I would do to this author? I would be. That is so unrealistic. I wanted to blast JKR. I wanted to say. Uh, come on, we're supposed to believe this? Yes, it I'm was, like, you obviously was, have oh. no knowledge of this universe. Like, you're, you're, right. you're, you're familiar. Well, there's a difference between elves and people. You know, Snape isn't about to change necessarily, like, but obviously elves change. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. You, just, you say something nice to them and they'll worship you forever, evidently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I but mean. But that was, I mean, even with Dobby, we should have known. Yeah. It goes back again to Harry needing someone. He needed Sirius so badly. His vision of who Sirius was, yeah. I think. And Creature 
was instrumental in removing Sirius from his life. So I think the anger there was very real. And I yeah, think that Asquith was right to was right to show it and had to show it in some way and had to get rid of creature in some way. So I think it, it worked out well, but it also helped me to see the pensive scene more uh, realistically because then he transferred when he, after losing Sirius, he transferred those hopes to Snape. Yeah. And then uh, he wanted to wear rose colored glasses in the middle of a war that Snape was a major participant in. And uh, Snape wasn't about to run out and get him ice cream. He was, he yeah. was going to say, if you're going to ride the boat with me, you're going to, you're going to mm-hmm. see it the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And he's, he's so angry at Dumbledore for, for not telling him everything, but then he's begging Snape not to tell him the hard parts. Yeah. And it's, and that's, and that's growing up. I mean, how you, you want the keys to the car, but you don't want to pay for the insurance. And, right. you know, you want to decide what time you're going to go to bed, but you also want to sleep until 930 in the morning. I mean, yeah. th- there's parts of growing up, like, you, you know, you want to live on your own, but you don't want to pay a mortgage. Like, what, what, what's up with that? It's, it's yeah. you're, you're either in or you're not. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you have, okay, here's a perfect example. You, you know, Harry moves out on his own and Snape says, okay, get a job or you will starve to death. <laughs> And Lupin says, "I can loan you, you know, the first month's rent, and um, I, I, I know a guy who might need a telemarketer. And yeah. We can call him. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, and it's like, you know, like, and I and I know people like this. Like, I know people uh-huh. who spoil. Like, like I, like I am twenty. Oh God, how the hell old am I? I've had a mortgage since I was twenty-three years old. I know people who are twenty-one." who, if their parents drop dead tomorrow, would, you know, by the grace of God, hopefully they could wipe themselves. Like, they can't do anything. I know those people, too. (laughs) And, like, like maybe it's one of those things because I've never had that. Like, like, like even the people who have no inclination towards that, like, it's mm-hmm. like I just have nothing in common with these people because I'm used to having to do things for myself or, or you know, face the consequences. So I, I like the fact that, and that is totally believable, that Snape is the guy who says, I don't care if this is hard for you. You need to do this. If and, you're going to ask the questions, then you're old enough to hear the answers. Right. But... You know, like no one else seems to give Harry the choice. Dumbledore doesn't say, "Harry, there's stuff going on here. Do you want me to tell you?" He just says, "You're not going to hear it." And Lupin, you know, you know, God, like, and here's the thing: my my biggest fear reading this fic is that you know, Lupin would all of a sudden become a jerk, and Ron and Hermione would all of a sudden you forget about Harry, and you know, the yeah. only one left is Snape, and you know, isn't that convenient? And you know, Gryffindor Tower is flooded, so he needs to move in with Snape. And, uh, you know, just go down the list. You know, there's all these convenient plot devices that are happening and, and that, that wouldn't seem remotely believable. And, you know, contrived. okay. Yeah, contrived. And we start, you know, these chapters with, you know, Harry thinking Lupin's with him and how happy he is that it's Remus and it's Snape. And we end the chapters with Harry trusting Snape more than Lupin. So you need to show why. And Aspen needed to do a good job with that. And I think she did because seriously, look at Lupin. He does what we've all wanted to do. He sits Harry down and says, Harry, you're in a dark place. (laughs) 
Yeah, we all did want to do that after the fifth book, absolutely. Now, has anyone ever responded well to that? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, that... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to have to jump right into the reality of it. I mean, I have a 20-year-old daughter who doesn't work. Um, our family's going through a hard patch right now. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem eager at all to help, to go out and get a job and help. And her father is looping all the way, saying, don't worry, honey, you don't have to work. Just do a chore around the house now and then, which he doesn't even make her do. But hes it's just like I see Lupin doing. He's giving her a total free ride at 20 years old, not making her do anything around the house or get a job or do anything productive. And mm-hmm. Snape is more like me saying, you know what? you got to get out there. You've got to learn responsibility. You've got to face reality. You've got to yeah. know what life is about, and you've got to face it. And it's always that, one parent uh, or the other. Yeah, it <laughs> always is. And that's why we fight all the time. But mm-hmm. I think uh, if he had had Lupin the way, at least the way Lupin is portrayed here as his hero, I guess, then I don't think he'd be strong enough to battle Voldemort. Yeah, and you know what? It's the cross between being mean and being right. Like, let me give an example. My gra- my grandmother had my mother when she was 42 years old. And my mother's, uh, my grandfather, my mother's father died when she was sick. So my mother has, you know, was raised by her mother since the time she was six years old. And my mother was surrounded by older women who were either widows or whose husbands did everything for them. And my grandmother could not drive a car. And, you know, she, she, to my knowledge, didn't balance her own checkbook. She had son-in-laws who did that for her. And, you know, her grandkids would mow her lawn. And she was treated, you know, like the village elder. And, you know, her oldest daughter, you know, had the same thing happen. She's a very strong woman, but this is the woman who drove her car into the only, you know, object in a large parking lot. And, you know... My mother, you know, my dad did everything for my mother. So when my father passed away, my mother, you know, w- didn't know how to balance a checkbook. She never really had to do it. And she and she was raised by people who never really had to either. So for a year, I paid my mother's bills for her and I balanced the checkbook and she didn't know where anything was. And my mother's, my mother's in her 50s. She's, she's a young woman. And eventually I said, I'm not doing this anymore. You can ask me any questions you have and I will sit down with you whenever you need it. But you need to do this for yourself because I'm going to get married and have my own house and you need to know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And Good. I probably came across at the time looking like I'm being mean to the poor widow. But the alternative is you as a person feel like you can't do anything yourself. And, you, and I, you know, like like while, you know, we're basically, you know, you could argue this is a scene where, you know, Snape is forcing Harry to watch, you know, like the most vile movie ever. Um, there's, there's some truth in there that I think anyone can see, you know, if you break it down into, into the real world, it's, do you want to go out and have ice cream and and be sheltered or do you want to face reality? But you have, when he has to face reality eventually, either way. Yeah. And granted, he has to, because he has no parents and because he's got that prophecy and exactly. I mean, you can have ice cream all you want up until then. (laughs) Yeah, and, right. and we're not talking about, you know, like you said, like, you know, going out and getting a job. We're talking about, by the way, you have to defeat, you know, <laughs> the dark wizard, yeah. you know, the, the most right. powerful dark wizard the ever. The entire world is counting on you, and if you think I'm going to sugarcoat you, sugarcoat it for you when you're demanding answers, you've got that wrong. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Harry doesn't even like it when it's sugarcoated. 
I mean, he no, wants people he... to accept that this is hard. This is something that's been shoved upon me. And, you know, now you're going to try to sugarcoat it. And like in the case of Dumbledore, offer me candy like it's going to help. No, it's not. But then at the same time, he gets irritated or he's afraid when Snape wants to, you know, show him fine. You want to see everything? Okay, let's see everything. So He's also afraid of losing his new view of Snape. He really, really uh-huh. needs and wants that hero in his life. Yeah, and you can't say, I want it. No, just kidding. I don't want it. No, I'm like, you're either... And, and granted, he's like a 16-year-old kid who needs, you know, years of therapy, but... you know, Well, actually, Lupin tried that. It didn't work out too well, but... You know, <laughs> You know, you, you, I think we're being I think we're being overly hard on the kid here. He wouldn't want he didn't want to watch the vile rape scene, and you know, <laughs> weakling. Like you know, I don't know why that just <laughs> struck me as funny. I don't, no, but it's like it's like what we're talking about. We're like basically screaming at the kid for you know doing something that if you ever tried to do it to our sixteen year old, we'd have you arrested. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you know, it's it's like, but but that, but that's the truth. And I really found her Lupin to be. B- believable. I mean, he would think, Harry, you're you're in a dark place, and maybe Remus is, you know, a closet legilimens who saw him, you know, in his mind beating the ever living crap out of creature. But you know, Harry, this isn't this isn't Half Blood Prince Harry who hugs Dumbledore in the tool shed and says, you know, in the last twenty minutes, I've learned to get over my godfather's death. This is you know Harry who's very bitter and shooting every fan fiction between oh Harry, <laughs> and Harry is the kid. Yeah, and once he shoots up the crowd of people, you know, you look back and you say, well, you know, he always was cruel to the house elf. <laughs> like looking back <laughs> on it, we can see you know the years of. And he was abused as a child and everything. And, you know, this this is a very dark Harry. So you can imagine that Lupin's response is, Harry, I know you. You're better than this. You know, you need to find... <laughs> Lupin's solution is you need to find the happy. And, okay, <laughs> do the happy spell. If it doesn't work twice, you're going to be pissed off and you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be like... Yeah. The, Harry's the kid at the mini golf course who is on putt 412 and he's like two inches from the hole and he and it's like the one where you have to go up the hill a little bit and he can't get the thing in. You're going to want to beat up the Pillsbury Doughboy at some point because you're going to get so angry. So right. it's not... That's not a kid. That's me. Yeah. And, it's, and then you lie and you write six down on the scorecard, but it's not... <laughs> she's like why is he watching me but you know it, it's it, it's very realistic and i think that the fact that you know like even like if melinda were here she's you know cover your ears mate she's strangling hermione from deathly hallows i know first oh. for for repeating over and over just you know, shield your mind harry well 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 thank you you know which i thought she of was that. just trying to help <laughs> That's like saying parallel park. I can't see. I'm blind. Like it doesn't. But you know, do it anyway. Yeah, do it anyway. We have uh, Remus, Professor Snape, Harry, Professor Snape. (laughs) When you've corrected me 212 times, Remus, I think I've heard you. Like it's, he's not what Harry. He's the he's the same character, but Mm -hmm. he's the guy who he he he's great with 13 year old Harry. 16-year-old Harry, not so much. And he didn't feel like a completely different character, which was good, because my fear here was that she would, all all the characters would randomly get sticks up their butts to make, you know, Snape the only one left. Yeah, I feared that too, but it certainly didn't I'm especially still worried about that with the trio. Yeah, I am too, and you know what? I've got a bad vibe about it, where it's going, but, you know, I I, I have faith in Aspen to 
to, to get us to that point, you know, in a believable way. But, um... I've heard I, I scream rumors. and screech and kick my feet now. I'm, I've heard some rumors about ships in this fic, too. That I'm a little interested to find out what's going on with that. I haven't heard those ones yet, and I'm really interested what in, like... Kim, can I ask you a question? At what point, if we continue to cover about ten chapters a week, will you be able to stop kicking and screaming? Um... Since I sat and talked with Aspen the other night and got hints about Brothers in Arms about two and a half years from now. (laughs) You're kidding me. (laughs) I have a question. There is so much you don't know. I gotta scream it. I'll be okay. What's that, Mick? So, like, canon ship-wise, is that not the direction we're headed? Maybe you can't say. I I don't know. I seem to Is that a spoiler? Does that not count? There's there's not a lot of shipping in this I story never, at all. I, the I, I story never isn't still. about relationships. Is it's Jenny about... even in the story at any point? I think I think that's a fair spoiler. Uh, is Jenny? Yeah, even... she 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 shows show up. up. Yeah. She show up. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's not it. It's I not think right. Aspen it's said that her um, her focus with Harry is that he's got other things to worry about right now. Right. Relationships are not. Are okay. not the top well, of I don't even just mean Harry. Priority list. Well, with others, uh, in summer, relationships start showing up. Okay. Okay. But yeah, because yeah, I've heard a rumor, a so, specific one that goes against canonship. That, that's a. I, I, I can't. In a Snape adopts Harry fic, I, I can't believe there's something on Yeah, really. I can't even think I know, but. And I'm not fic. complaining necessarily. I just. Um, I'm dying to know what you heard now. I'm not going to mute myself. Talk to each other after the (laughs) podcast. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll just ask you later or something. Meg will be back next week and we'll talk about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, okay, so I don't even know where I was going. (laughs) But, yeah, I I, I did buy into the character of Remus because, you know, his reactions are so Remus-like, but... You know, that's not what Harry needs. I mean, seriously, think about it. You know, the scene where he gives Harry the telephone and Harry calls uh, Dudley. He stays in the room. Contrast that to Snape not having to read Harry's letters anymore. I love the description. I trust your intentions, your execution, (laughs) something to be desired. You know, he he trusts Harry's intentions, but he doesn't trust Harry's um, ability to carry those intentions out successfully. Which makes sense. I mean... That's all parents, you know, I, I, I trust you not to do, you know, to, to, to mean to do something stupid, but, you know, you're kind of a klutz, so let me hold the knife. That's um, like that classic, I trust you, I just don't trust everybody else line. Yeah, that's basically one step above, don't call me, I'll call you. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, so, like, I can buy into that. There's moments when Remus kind of kicks himself out of that and asks Harry, you know, what he thinks, and Harry's, like, a little blown away, he's like, oh, um... It takes him a couple seconds to write himself. I mean, I think that's very profound. Harry thinks he knows what he needs. He needs Remus, but he doesn't. He needs someone firmer than Remus at this stage of his life to get him through that. And it's not something that would have worked when he was 11 or 12, but 16, you know, after going through the loss that he went through, it's something that I think he desperately needs. Like, let's get into some of the other plot points here. I mean, like, do I know we've talked about it to death, but do we have anything else to say about the Occlumency scenes? Um... I'm giggling again. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were Sorry. fantastic. I really, really thought, I mean, I, 
I thought, right, Harry would be caught dead leaning back against Snape, and Snape would be caught Whoa. dead holding on to Harry like that. Mm-hmm. But the scene was just so sweet. It was... I didn't care how it came about. It just... <laughs> and it made everything that came later work better because the understanding between them became so much deeper after that. Yeah, and I and I, I just wanted to clarify this. I, I, I love the imagery. I love the, the, the prospect of, of the water. I love the... You know, just just the the fact mm-hmm. that these two have to go through this progression, and Harry needs to build up this ability. I love you know the references to it later in the chapters. I love you know you need to learn to do this while you're you know shampooing your hair. You need to be able to do this at the moment's notice. Don't I get love it. Open your eyes. Yeah, don't get open your eyes either. Yeah, like I love the idea of it that you build up a wall, but you let some. You, the goal isn't to like you know raise your shields. It's to hide things but let them be camouflaged. I thought that was very intuitive. Mm-hmm. Like I like the, And then later learn to or yeah, to push him out and then later show him a few things and all that. It, yeah, and make it, it think really, really was detailed, so detailed. Mm-hmm. For her as a writer, I was really impressed with that about how yeah. much she went into that theory of what Occlumency would include. Um, you know, that kind of stuff is difficult especially to keep it with what we've already read. You know, and she really did. A, I think she did an excellent job of that, and it was very understandable and believable. Yeah, and I love the reference to the fact that Harry wants to use fire as his own personal shield, and and I I just love the way that she's able to to weave in, you know, um, Slytherin versus Gryffindor, you know, mm-hmm. good versus yeah. evil, and not all, you know, not all, you know, like a weapon is not good or bad. It's like the old, you know. Adage, it's know, not all black don't, and white. Yeah, and, guns don't kill people. Yeah. People do. You know, you, you can yeah. use an awful curse for a noble cause. You know, you can use right. you know you know Avada Kedavra. You could use it for you know saving you know the killing a murderer before he's able to murder again or something. Well, and that's war. Yeah, and that's war. And you know the the fact that the ministry says it's illegal does not define it as an evil thing. It defi- it's just people have def- some people have defined it as an evil thing. And you know Snape sees fire as destruction whereas Harry sees fire as this elemental force that's almost like rejuvenation. And yeah. it's, it's just the differences in outlook towards the same thing. And then even Harry looks into that more deeply and says, okay, as a result of, you know, the failed bone marrow transplant, you know, I've, I've lost, you know, my magic, but I've maintained, I, I've kept up my parcel tongue so I can communicate with Sal's. And, yeah. you know, I, I have the ability to, you know, shield my mind with fire, which is this destructive force. It's almost like he sees himself tap. And there was another one. I can't think of the other thing he can still do. There's the, um. The divining dreams. The divining yeah. dreams. You yeah, know, it's, right. you know, like this is not something that, the, the bodes well, but it's like he's tapping into the ones that seem to have the negative connotations to them. Mm-hmm. And he's not really, you know, at this point clear why. And, um, you know, he obviously, you know, he's having these, these visions, you know, he sees, you know, Privet Drive exploding with Dudley screaming no, mm-hmm. and he sees, you know, Harry, he's living in the dungeons, and he sees, you know, um, Harry punching Ron, and he sees all these things, and Snape... That gave me a bad feeling. Yeah, well, and Remus is able, you know, you see, he's calling, um, Draco's calling him a brother, and, and Dr. Remus, you know, you know, he's, Harry's, <laughs> Harry's laying on the couch, you know, with a frown in his face, and Remus is sitting in his little leather chair with a notebook, and he's able to, you know, come up with And very, discussing it with Snape, too. Yeah, and he's, a, yeah, oh, yeah, and he's able to come up with these very logical 
explanations for the dreams. You know, mm-hmm. he's you know the fact that you you almost feel like you're betraying you know the Gryffindors and you're you're becoming what you always despise and you don't know how you feel about that. And the fact that you know you're you're closer to your cousin than you were. Before. And you go down the list. Now, I personally think it's foreshadowing. I think we're seeing flashbacks, and I think we're seeing uh, foreshadowing here. And Kim, you know, bite down real hard because you can't tell me, but I really do believe that these are things that we're going to see in the future. And um, you know, brothers in arms might be a might be a good indication of that, but I just don't know because you know, Remus gave a very good explanation as well, but. I thought that same thing. Yeah, I'm like, and you know what? And let me even tell you this. Um, my favorite television show is a show called Babylon 5. I don't, know, I don't know if either of you have seen it. In the first episode, you find out that two of the characters will kill each other in 20 years. One of them had a dream that, that the other guy is going to strangle me in 20 years and we will both die strangling each other with our hands on each other's throats. In the first episode, you find out how these two arch-rivals will die 20 years down the road. And in, like, the 13th episode, you find out that the space station where this whole show was based out of will be destroyed in 20 years with a single shuttle, you know, flying away from the wreckage as it bursts into flames. So he he tells you in the beginning, this is how the show will end. But you don't know why they strangle each other, where they are, why they're there, you know, what was Which the cause has. of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know why. The station will be destroyed in 20 years. Okay. Why? Who destroys it? Who's on the show? So I like that type of storytelling because I'm interested. Like, I don't care if you tell me how the story will end. I want to know how you get there. I want Maybe there's something that we don't know. Maybe these people will become friends and then have a falling out. And there's a real great chance there to make me think, okay, maybe... Harry and Ron will have a falling out and Harry will just deck them and that will be the end of their friendship and that will be why, you know, uh, he'll turn more closely to Snape. Maybe that was what will happen. Maybe it won't be. But I like the the idea that maybe that's foreshadowing because mm-hmm. I don't know how we get there. And yeah. assuming yeah. that's something that happens, how, how does Harry possibly get to that point? I just think that's a really... I like the fact that Aspen as an author is telling us Here's something that will happen in chapter 40. Here's something that will happen in chapter 80. And like Babylon 5, I like the fact that in the first episode, you find out mm-hmm. this guy dies, this guy dies, this thing blows up, this guy dies, but you don't know why. And <laughs> like, and I think that's a really great uh, storytelling technique. It's a really difficult storytelling technique, which really goes to show as an author, I mean, that's impressive to have that. Sure to have that kind of plan for this mm-hmm. whole large, large Absolutely, story. yeah. Especially if you change your mind right after. Could you imagine? Well, she said she had trouble writing those dreams. I'm, I can imagine. Because especially you yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, you, you just really hope that... You know, because this isn't... You know, she's writing a novel and then publishing it. This is chapter one's out of in chapter three. Right, you can't... You screwed yourself the, over in chapter one. That's the thing with fan fiction. <laughs> You know, you can't go back and change it. Yeah, it's not like a soap opera where you can, like, all of a sudden, you know, give the character a brother who <laughs> has all the knowledge that you need to get through the plot. Yeah. Oh, I think you could. I've read that fanfic. <laughs> oh, really? Larry? <laughs> Harry's cousin Larry, you know, came to Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, he knows this wonderful that. curse that will defeat, you know, dark wizards, you know, if you love your friends enough. But, um... <laughs> so what else mm-hmm. is in here? I mean, I feel like we're concentrating on so much of the... 
everything I said in the beginning is a lie. We're doing this as a character-based one and not a plot-based one. <laughs> um, That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I don't know. I have a lot of character-based discussion. <laughs> whatever. It's Perfect Weekly. We have no plan here. Um, what chapter are we ending at? Dudley? 22? We're ending, okay. at, we're ending at Dudley. Um, my other prediction is that Snape is going to kill Vernon, which will clear up uh, Privet Drive to be Dudley's, and Dudley will let Harry stay there and rejuvenate the blood protection. I, and I believe the creature was foreshadowing towards that. And I think there were a few references to Vern with Vernon. You know, as long as Vernon lives, Harry will never be allowed at Privet Drive. And Kim... I'm trying. I am. I am. I'm sitting quietly. She's doing very well. But, I mean, that's my prediction there. I don't have any predictions yet. Hopefully, and, and to be honest, if you're listening to this, everyone, and that happens, I swear to God, I have not read much. I don't have time. There's no conceivable way I've read ahead of this. But, yeah. um, I have, like, no predictions. I can't even imagine where it's going to go, which I kind of like. Yeah. I really do like that. Yeah, reading. I, I like, like, that. like It's no, not so predictable. I hate reading a predictable. That's not even just fan fiction. That's books in general. You know, right. it's predictable, yeah, which like is the appeal the of the Harry Potter series to begin with. So, I'm trying to think. Well, she, when she does these divining dreams, they're so ambiguous. So, it's a tantalizing tease mm. for the future. And that I love. It's yeah. just knowing exactly what's it going on. It cracks me up. I'm going, I, I usually quote Battlestar Galactica, but I guess this is going to be the Babylon 5 fic. There's even a scene in Babylon 5 where one of the characters has a defining dream, and it plays out over the next three years of the show. And, in one, and, and he sees himself wearing like the enemy uniform, and he sees, um, you know, like like his um his security guy saying the band in between is searching for you, and all these very cryptic lines. And his it's the the character is um Bruce Boxleitner, is the mm-hmm. actor, uh, Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Uh, he, he's a pretty uh, he's married to Melissa Gilbert from Little House on the Prairie, if that helps. Um, and he uh has this second in command who's the um. She's kind of like a Tonks, kind of. She's a very strong female uh, character. And in the vision, she's wearing a black veil. And I think she has a crow on her shoulder. And she looks right at him and says, you were the hand. And then he's recounting the dream to her later. And she's like, you were the hand? What the hell? Why would I say anything as dopey sounding as you were the hand? <laughs> so you, you, when, you re- when you get into like visions like this, you know, you have to, like, the, you could have Hermione... Like, and granted, I think these are more, like, not, like, you know, dreams that you have to articulate. I really think this is, like, you know, here's videotape evidence from the future. But, like, like I'd be interested to see, like, you know, Hermione in a bathtub, you know, oh, wearing, you know, like... <laughs> you, you and know, the like, rest of the fandom. Like, like mountain climbing... No, not, not Emma Watson, <laughs> like actual Hermione. You know, wearing mountain climbing gear... Peeling an orange. <laughs> Look how happy they like, What the freaking hell does that mean? But like that, like that, something like that. Like I think, like that's the stuff I live for. Because <laughs> then I'm like, it's about it's citrus, and Harry mentioned citrus, and the house elves, and the citrus, and the potion was in the citrus, and, and the potion was in the citrus, and <laughs> yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I poisoned I you, Harry. There was something in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um. That's what it'll turn out to be. And here's my question. Who is paying the cell phone bill? Things I want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, were mobile phones really like that back then? No, but the, <laughs> even Joe screwed that one up. She gave um, Dudley PlayStation, I think. Here's my question. How is he charging the phone? There's no charger. The phone battery will die by this point. Uh, maybe it's a magical one. It's a magical one. 
Oh my god, I'm becoming Jen. This is something Jen... Jen would want to know, and she would want to know what where they're going to the bathroom and where, who's buying the toilet we had, paper. Like, when we were chatting the other day, we had like a 10-minute conversation about what Lily's... You know, Lily, Harry's mm. daughter's middle name was. <laughs> oh like, we were desperately wanted to know Molly. what her middle name is. But that's just the fandom. I mean, there's. I have no idea. This is like one possible name it could be. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, I, and I'm just like even to bring it back to um, the plot for a second. We have Harry losing his powers. We have the introduction to Sal's. Uh, we have. Who I like. I like I like Sal's too. Has any, have either of you read um the psychic psychic serpent trilogy by Barb? No, I don't. Think it, so. it it reminds me of um in that uh Harry has a snake named Sandy who's his friend uh for fifth and seventh year in that one and it just it, like like it just reminded me of the same basic. Uh, I wanted that in canon. I wanted Harry to have a friend snake. Yeah, there are I several that was fictions too cool that do it, but power. they do it so weird. Some of them have the snake talking as a human and joking and teasing. And and it's so completely unrealistic that I love that Aspen doesn't have Harry relating what the snake says in a um, conversation way, you know, where, where the snake is another character in the story giving dialogue along with Harry. Yeah, what was the line, too? He asked Harry yeah. a question, but he asked it in such a way that Harry's like, I think this is what he was going for, because this is... I don't yeah, think because he, it's snake talk, and Yeah, what, what was uh, it? It was, it was something like, is he your father? It's like, is he, you know, the one... Your egg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, were yeah. you were the egg that came from him, or something like that? Yeah, like like that, to me, you know, makes... Makes sense. I, lo- I love stuff like that. I love stuff too. like that. And I love even, like, the little character moment she sprinkles in where she's like, I didn't think you could, like, when Harry was screaming um, in Parseltongue when he slept, it's like, I didn't think you could scream and hiss at the same time. And I'm like, that, <laughs> like, that would, su- like, forget the fact that you're screaming and hissing and all this stuff. You're like, wow, that must have been hard to do. <laughs> like, the one great way to go off on. That's true. I'm far more talented asleep than I am awake. It's like I just drove down the highway the wrong way for 27 miles, and I'm like, dude, how the hell did I even get off the on-ramp? Like, forget the fact <laughs> that you just lived this whole time. It's like where your mind is. But, um... You know, another thing I liked was the phone call with uh, Vernon. Yes. How Harry finally got in some screaming and threats to Vernon. Well, Harry's a very angry boy. Like, literally, like, Harry in this fic is the guy who would light rabbits on fire for great spots. (laughs) But I love the fact where he's like, don't make me use Alohomora. (laughs) You will like what that does. (laughs) He's gonna open your door. I don't know what the... (laughs) Open his zipper or something and just hanging out. I don't know. (laughs) It wasn't that big a threat. (laughs) The microwave door opens and smacks him in the head or something. (laughs) Go. <laughs> that was great. And then Snape's reaction when he said, I told him that I would cast a little more on him. <laughs> that was great. Well, not the thing is, is like, like I, I'm liking the fact that Snape can like laugh under his breath. Like, if you've got, like, mm-hmm. I'm a very dry sense of humor guy. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, my boss will get me and I'll start cracking and laughing. He loves doing it. Like, when you get Snape. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's, I really would have loved it if Harry told Vernon to grow up back, like, hop up and down on one fo- foot, like, look, going, mm, with his hands over his ears, <laughs> like, that would have been great, but. That would have been. Alas. Harry's a little too nice. Now, what do you think of, um, well, Kim, don't spoil, but just what do you think of the writing of it? Here we go again. <laughs> Vernon wanting to work with Voldemort. 
I think it's incredibly. Not, I think it's a plot point. That one's new. I think that uh, if you've got Vernon in the mindset that Harry murdered his wife, he's capable of anything. And I think that's another further reason why why Snape's going to off him in the next eleven chapters. So. <laughs> You're Everyone right, who's listening you know? to this is like, you fool, you're a moron. Of course he's not good. But um, that's, that's my opinion. Oh, I don't know. I think it was a, a great character reference for Vernon and another way for Snape to see just how Harry's life has been. It yeah, really... Good point. It really makes me happy that, that Harry yelled at Vernon like that. I really love that. Uh, get off the phone so I can talk to Dudley, and while you're at it, get out of the house, too. <laughs> and I'll know if you don't. Gordon's, <laughs> yeah. like, walking around, like, with his hands up in the air, like, trying to stop, like, you know, the non-existent he's got, he's got a crystal ball, and Vernon's in big trouble, but yeah. then Vernon goes and says that he he's going to turn him into Voldemort. Well, I love the mindset that... Uh, Harry probably gets Vernon in where Vernon's afraid to pee because Harry could pop up. Like, he, like he's got him so nervous. Yeah. That, I wish that really happened. Yeah, no, oh, this is like, oh. I went I, I went to Central Park with Danielle last weekend, and we're, we left Central Park and we're walking on the Upper West Side, I think. I, I've, I'm looking at them. I'm, I'm picturing, I'm the one who calls Manhattan the one that looks like a popsicle, so I have no idea. Oh, but okay. we're walking on the street and Danielle scuffed her sandal and we, there's lead, there's there's branches from Central Park going over the sidewalk. And I thought an animal was about to fall on me. I like dove for the sidewalk, like to duck away from this animal. <laughs> and like she's looking at me, like, "Honey, all right, you okay?" <laughs> and like I can just picture Vernon like walking around, like afraid this guy's oh, gonna wow. open up at any moment. So now, if we get invited to their wedding, we know what tape to bring. <laughs> While he's standing up there ready to say I do, we can play the shoe scuff thing. <laughs> Everyone, like, do you like the Mike Brady, like, where you throw the briefcase at the ground to make the guy whip around? Like, it's, it's a similar concept. Um, Have you diving into your best man? That would be cool. Oh, my God. I'm going to need, like, Secret Service protection at this wedding. Between Jen and you guys, you have too much dirt on it. <laughs> We need to get him through the part where they say, does anyone have reason why these two shall not be one? Just no. make sure you keep your knees bent. <laughs> oh, gosh. Don't give him ways to get out of it when we're planning. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I have a friend who fainted at four separate weddings. Fainted. Oh, Dead away. Four emotional. weddings. No, it was a guy. He must be very emotional. He's, he, no, he, he, it's because really if you stand up straight with your legs locked, all like something about your blood. I don't know, but it makes you faint. What? <laughs> maybe I am dead serious about this. It makes you faint. Did they stop if inviting? Him? Did they stop inviting him to weddings after the point? He was in the <laughs> wedding. All the of those up, weddings. Sure. It's like the scene from Father of the Bride where you're like looking for reasons to uninvite people. You're like, he's the fainter. Yeah. Do not invite him to the wedding. <laughs> Well, that uh, happens in the army and whatever Force Marines when they stand there forever, leg locked. Yeah. They pass out too. I think it compresses yeah. blood vessels. About? Yeah, it makes something about your blood. It makes you all, you know, faint. Oh, cool. So I'm just amused mind. that I've known Kim for a combined six hours. I've known Meg for a combined three, and you're already coming up with great ways to sabotage my wedding. I feel very close. <laughs> I'm to this not group trying right. to sabotage. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> 
No, I'm trying to sabotage. <laughs> but it's okay. You're from Pennsylvania, so that's that's right. I'm up here in the Hick Mountains, where it snows when when the I don't know when the wind blows. You've got a blizzard. It's I can be forgiven for for things because I'm homebound for nine months of the year. This okay, is well, same here. <laughs> okay, well, th- that explains plenty. That's- yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> I'm from, hello, I'm from Massachusetts. Does anyone want to complain? <laughs> well, well right. we'll do that next week. All right. Um, is there anything we're, like, we're leaving out huge swaths of uh, plot here, and I'm assuming, you know, there's I know, I feel well, no, I'm, I'm, you know what it is? I'm assuming, Kim, that there's going to be parts that, like, the same, you know, plot elements that, you know, this episode are going to be relevant next episode and the next episode. So I don't feel like we have to nail that. Oh, everything definitely. Is- everything flows perfectly. There's, there's very little that's brought up and dropped and never seen again. Okay. Everything is continuous. You know, the continuity is perfect. So we'll definitely have time to, to get into these moments in future episodes. I think that. Yeah. You know, like, as a whole, let's maybe give final thoughts on these chapters. I definitely think that Snape, towards the end of these chapters, was was beautifully written. He, like, as you just heard, we, we, we found so much truth in him there. I I have to feel like, you know, the, the, the first Occamancy scene... You know, it, it just didn't work for me. You know, I was re- I was listening to a very you know seductive-sounding woman reading it. You know, as there's a fire <laughs> going and they're spooning, but you know, that's not fair. But you know, and like it, like that, like that just did like okay. No, no matter how much you're bringing this, you know, how realistic I see it, that does not work. For me. <laughs> yeah. Like like that like but like, I know what she was going for there, and I find you know it is it's it's one of the few points in, in this in the story where maybe the writing itself pushed me out versus the plot the plot i found excellent um this is one of the in you know the seventh horcrux you know i i read for the first time as we discussed it and i i don't think like i think i i you, you kind of got some idea where the plot was going it's a seventh year fic he's gonna find the horcruxes he's gonna defeat voldemort there'll be a cost and they'll be recovered like you know what's gonna happen i have like no freaking clue what's gonna happen here i know that snape will likely adopt harry she's given us clues about what's gonna happen and i'm curious to see if the things i've guessed are uh are are correct and i'm sure kim will be like thank god i can talk about it next week but i really I, i'm 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 in, I'm definitely enjoying the reading of it, and I definitely think that these chapters ended on a very high note. And there's a lot of mystery here. Harry's powers are gone. You know why are only certain powers remaining? You know, in in just the contrast between Lupin and and say, there, there's just so much in these chapters that you know it, it, very deeply layered, very great chapters. Can't wait for the next ones. Yeah, I I love how they they focused on his emotional state believing that if he wants to cast, he'll be able to cast, which does appear throughout the story, but it's, uh, I mean, I can't say either way what the reason is that he lost his, his powers and how he'll get them back. But it is, uh, it is a great plot that now he is helpless and Snape still admires him. He's not the great boy who lived anymore. He doesn't have great prospects anymore. He's not 
potentially Snape's savior anymore. Because unless he's going to, like you said, go up and feed him bonbons, he doesn't have much he can do to Voldemort right now. But Snape still admires him for who he is. And he's not, and you can see he's not saying, wow, I've got a chance to take the boy who lives under my wing. And somehow become famous for that or become a savior of the boy who lived and and everyone knows that Snape wanted that order of Merlin and and whatnot and uh, we can see in these chapters that he's not doing this mentoring of Harry for reasons of Harry's fame or power or future he's doing it because he admires who Harry is yeah and, and I think in, even in Harry Potter in general, I've always said this, the magic is window dressing. What matters is the people. Oh, definitely. And, and yeah, the loyal- setting could be anything. Yeah, it's a, it's a story about loyalty and sacrifice and faith and love and friendship and, you know, hard work and, you know, mistakes. And and that's choices. been true to that all yeah, through this. Yeah, and choices. It's not about, you know, about the cadavering people and, you know, it's not like Star Trek where people get really obsessed about how the warp core works. Who cares? It's about the people on the ship. So it's, it's the same. Exactly, and this story is very much like that. There's no, uh, there's no great emphasis on uh, caring for somebody because of their power, or feeling awe at somebody's abilities. Although they definitely have them. I mean, it is a thick place in a magical world. Yeah, but and, I, and I did just want to add it's to secondary. One, and, I, and I did just want to add to one thing. Um, I, I mentioned in last week's episode we didn't have a rationale yet for why Snape did what he did. And we didn't know why is it that he went to Voldemort in the beginning? Why is it that he left? Why is he doing this tremendously difficult thing working for both sides? And what, like, what is his motivation? And we get an impression of that in these chapters. He originally believed in what Voldemort believed in. He believed, he believed in, you know, the pureness of blood and he believed in, you know, the fact that some people are born differently and some people deserve to be subservient to other people. And he, he, he bought into it and right. he didn't change his mind because, you know, he fell in love with a muggle. He didn't change his mind because, you know, when he saw them torturing the muggle-borns, he, you know, stop it. You cannot do this to people. Like he didn't have like a Winston Churchill moment. He literally, you know, because he's a scientist, discovered that Voldemort is full of crap, and right. Hitler was, you know, a short, dark-haired guy with one ball. There's no such thing as pure bloods, but everyone has some magical ability that's latent in them. Is that right? Right, and that's a theme that carries on throughout this. Right. So is it that? So is it that even Muggles have some degree of magical ability, and that it's just very low? But eventually, you know, if you get the right pairing together over time, you can produce Muggleborns and so forth. It's right. In yeah. fact, it says later that um, that every magical family has Muggles somewhere. Yeah. Within it. Right. So I mean, he didn't, you know, have a change of heart because Lily died, or he didn't have. Well, he did on some level, but you know, he didn't have. Um, it wasn't a story where something, you know, happened that, that changed it. It was a story of he he learned that Voldemort was full of crap, and he did it on his own terms. I think that shows you know, tremendous strength to it. And, it. and maybe it helps explain a lot of these moments that I was, you know, arguing against earlier. Snape realized he was wrong, so he changed his mind. 
and maybe that's just, that's just, what the whole thing is about for me. Is that Snape is a very strong personality in this in this story. He's a very intelligent, very smart man. And once the blinders came off, once he was faced with fact, and and it was smacking him in the face, and he could no longer deny it, then he began to reprocess everything he knew. And when he reprocessed reprocessed it all just like he did with the initial beliefs of uh, purity and uh, pure-bloodedness. When he was faced with facts that he could no longer deny, he reprocessed the information and and came out a changed man. There's no way pure-bloodedness is a word. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I just, just made it I am Kim. It is I am Kim. I am a very powerful person. It's a word. Back, absolutely. Cut to Ryan so. backing down. <laughs> it uh, it works, so yes, it it's does. a word now. You'll find it in the dictionary next year when they print it. The Harry go. Potter dictionary. Ginormous and pure bloodedness. That's right. And delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. But Aspen says that she won't let me marry Snape. That she's going to marry him. So. Oh well, I now can't. that we know what the that whole point of the whole thing is, the whole point. <laughs> right, of the and and now I can't, I just can't be as as up with this fic as I was before because I'm gonna lose him. You're destroyed. I, I just don't know how I'm gonna do that. There's See, no- I just, I never understood that appeal. There's, <laughs> en- there's enough. I mean, there's enough to go around. So many. He has no world. appeal in the canon books, none, but in this story, he does. Okay, well, uh, uh, he has some appeal in the movies too. Yes, well, that's purely physical. <laughs> I, I said this last week. I have a friend who the the sight of Alan Rickman makes her knees wobble. So I gave her, a, she didn't really read the books, but I gave her a book of just all Snape photos, and it, it was bad. It was, it was awful. Oh, you're such I love a Alan Rickman. And I it makes to, me like Snape when I see the movies. That's the problem. Well, I listened to the first three yeah. episodes of Snapecast, and, I, I, and that was enlightening. Like, Snape, he's big there. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I've never felt that way, ever. Neither did I until I read this story, and then I thought, oh, so that's why they like him. I thought, you guys are fools. He's a <laughs> bastard. He's a real jerk. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little better that you, because maybe I'll come out, who knows, maybe I'll come out on the end of this story like a Snape fangirl. Well, I. I can't say I'm a Snape fangirl, though. If he proposed, I wouldn't say no. Not Snape in this. Okay, story. that's a Snape fangirl. She <laughs> says, "Okay, but she but says this is like her husband on the other side of the house." I'd say yes in a heartbeat. Jeff, I tell my husband that all the time. <laughs> it, it's a good story for Snape. It really is a a complimentary. I mean, he's not perfect by any means because he's. He's too close to canon to be perfect, but he's uh, he's strong and intelligent, just what I like in a man. But be, yeah, truthfully, that I mean, him not being perfect is part of the appeal, isn't he? Yes, definitely, because a woman likes to save a man too. She exactly. likes to, which is exactly the appeal him. of Draco. I think is it? Know, I guess it yeah. is. If somebody sees that he can be redeemed somehow, people love that. Like Hermione's going to fix him. And I read those yeah. fanfics, so you can count me in that. <laughs> and does she? 
In not the one that I've ever read. <laughs> she usually ends up. I think he usually makes her a little. Yeah, I think she. I think he usually ends up making her a little less. You know, a little less Hermione-ish. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, Ron fills that position quite nicely. So there you have that. Yeah. And to clarify, I am a diehard Ron Hermione shipper. So. Me too. Yeah, Definitely. I've always I like have mild interest in the Harry Ginny ship. I know I'm probably going to get killed for that, but <laughs> no, I love Ginny. I I love Harry Ginny. I like and her, Ginny. and I like that too. It's just my main ship was always Ron Hermione. But anyway, we've totally got off subject. I've now. been sitting here for like one minute, like like I'm like in a tennis match, like whoosh whoosh. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. No, I don't care at all. I'm just sitting here. I'm like. I, I've never had the urge to fix Draco. I can't add anything to this conversation. <laughs> I don't have the urge to fix Draco. I just think the Richard Rob, come back. I need backup. <laughs> oh, man. That, well, we won't fix Draco this week. We'll, we'll wait. Oh, my gosh. What's that supposed to mean? It just means we're running out of time, and if we have to fix Draco, we'll have to do it next week. That's all. Uh-huh. And she's like, I, if anyone needs me, I'm going to be reading. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you could read the a book. very good job. Uh, read the damn book. So for next week's episode, we're going to be covering up to chapter 29. So we're going to go down to seven chapters, but this was the uh, schedule that uh, Jen, who's read the fic, and Aspen kind of worked out as the best place to leave you off is um is the characters go forward and of course we leave off tonight with um the the part of the fic where uh, where snape has forgiven harry for uh for questioning him but harry doesn't feel as though the the the, the, the apology was um restored their relationship to where it was before so it kind of leaves you off with a very you know kind of sour curious note so we're going to go up to chapter 29 next week now without spoiling and i've kind of heard reviews of people saying you know they like it they don't like it but i haven't heard anything in detail so i'm not sure what's um to come but uh kim would you say these next few chapters are graphic well when i read a fic with graphic chapters i skip the graphic parts if that's something that another reader wants to do it's doable if you start seeing the uh, violence and it bothers you, you can scan ahead and you won't miss anything. Okay, Just, so they'll still be able to understand what... Yeah, it okay. does get graphic. And in fact, one of these chapters is the best chapter anybody has ever read in any fiction. So, so please do read them, except... Um, I, I, it does get violent. It really does. And it's, it's disturbing, but, um, you can skip it if you want to. And, uh, you won't miss much. It's after the violence that, that things get really neat. Okay. But, uh, the, but the chapters with the violence are also very tastefully done and they're not overdone and they're not, um, they're essential to the plot, but references to them in the future will fill you in if you, can't take it. Okay. So it's um it's not way overly done at all. But it's it's too much for kids, definitely. If okay. you have kids reading it. 
help them skip those parts. Okay. So just to give everyone that uh, indication, um, and I think after that, everyone's going to definitely tune into next week's episode to hear what you're going <laughs> to... I'm like, wow, I'm reading as soon as we're done here. I feel like a commercial... <laughs> Wow. It's like a commercial You're for the shields. Like the everyone's like, oh, I gotta see this. Like um, Hermione this said. Definitely the good parts. <laughs> Banning the Quibbler may make everybody read it. Next week's exactly. episode, we're gonna have like 4,000 people download it in the first minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, what once happened? they read it, they'll want to talk about it. I can guarantee that. I'm gonna like crash my. If you see tomorrow, man drives car over Connecticut Bridge. <laughs> <off to> the, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, drive off the side. Don't oh, do it no. before you finish reading, though. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> hey, anytime. <laughs> Crash her. your car. Just finish reading the thick first. Kim's like my Snape. <laughs> I like her. She's truthful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right. Um, I think that's it for tonight. Did anyone have anything like desperate that we didn't bring up that you wanted to throw out there before we... Great. Just plot. one thing. We got... When Harry said, I'll yell if I see Voldemort... Do you know what part I'm talking about? I'll yell if I see Voldemort. No. He's like, I'm going to go out in the street then and get it myself. I'll yell if I see Voldemort. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I just wanted to say that because that cracked me up. I laughed for like a minute straight. That was so funny. <laughs> I'll yell if I see the bad guy. Can I bring back anything from 7-Eleven? <laughs> exactly. That that's... really hit me like like a canon thing. Like That's the kind of humor Joe writes a lot, you know? Yes, it is. Harry, Harry was perfect. Like, kind of like, the, like we talked about last week, like how Harry was kind of um, younger in this fic than maybe he was before. I love him, like coming into Remus's room and like making a bed in the floor. Yeah. Yes. For himself, I thought that was kind of. <laughs> I just like love like that would be great if he brought like an arrow bed in with him and like he's <laughs> <laughs> looking for the electrical. <laughs> You know, they keep those in the closets there at Grim Old Place. I, I gotta tell oh, you, yeah. air, air beds are wonderful things. I love those things. But yeah, My daughter lives on one, my 12-year-old. Does she? She's always pumping the thing up. I hear this loud motor, and she's in there pumping up her arrow bed. Can I just tell you she something great? She wants a real bed. She wants an arrow bed. When Danielle moved to New York, her, um, I went out with her for the weekend that she moved in, and her parents came with us. So, you know, I slept with Danielle, and she we had there was a queen. You what? <laughs> Slap. Okay. And um, I just I, I remember the wedding was still in the future, and so I was asking. Oh, here we go. Okay, I hold on. Say, I wasn't. I wasn't going to giggle. If we can read <laughs> chapters twenty three through twenty nine and still have an intelligent debate, <laughs> but um, so we inflated the um the arabed. So Daniel's father had never seen an arabed before. So I said, Hey Dave, you want to see something great? Lay down on the floor. So he laid down on the deflated arabed and I inflated it around him. Oh. And you know, you can do that. And the thing will just inflate around you. And it's like, Oh, look at this. It's magic. So Does it shoot you into the sky. No, it doesn't shoot you into the sky. So when it, when it came time for them to deflate it, um, I, I can't remember if this was them. You no, know, this may have been them inflating it the next night. Um, Danielle's mother was about to inflate the arabed, and Danielle's dad comes running out of the kitchen and just lays down on the floor. And and, oh. and his and his wife is just looking at him like, "Hon, what are you doing?" He's he looks up. He's like, "You mean I don't have to do this to inflate it?" Like I just did it as a joke. <laughs> just as, he thought it was like required that you lay on the arabed or else it wouldn't inflate properly. I just. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, the giggles now. <laughs> What did you say? Did you say slept? 
why that struck me as so funny because I thought the same thing, but I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) But what I what I wanted to say was that this man's genes are going to be in your children. Yes. I do, I do think I, I do think that frequently. I do think that frequently. Um, <laughs> Take it from someone who knows. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> My kid, he pukes. Don't scrape the bottom of the dream. Gene pool. Up. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't say that. The no, gene no. pool was not that deep. No, it's not the bottom of the gene pool with my son. Let me clarify. <laughs> well, well, teasing. Like I, like like you both will know this. It's like like the man look. Like when a man looks in the fridge and you can't find the thing after two minutes, but if he moves the ketchup, it's right behind it. I man oh, look right on a scale of one to ten. I man look at like a four, like during the day, like ten being the worst, one being the best. I'm like a oh. four, like like I'll like you have to look three or four times. I'll eventually find the thing. He's like a ten, and oh, I wow. have to feel like my future offspring will have no idea where their car keys are at any given time. Oh, my really husband is a ten. No, my husband is though too. He can't find anything unless I help him. I think that it's they just like to be waiting too lazy on. to find it. That's right. Too lazy to move the ketchup bottle. This is what happens when you talk to, when you have Perfect Weekly without the guys. It's just me trying. <laughs> like if Jen were here, she'd get bitten by something right now, and that would distract <laughs> you all the way. She'd get bitten by. I told Ryan today. I was like, maybe if I get like, maybe I'll have like a rogue raccoon in my yard today, and then that'll help for a funny story for. The podcast. He's like, like, do you live in the city? No. Like, that'd be no. super. Well, that's me right now. I'm like in the estrogen rainforest trying to defend men everywhere at the same time. It's, it's, it's difficult. Well, it's a lonely job, but you're up to it. I am up to it. Okay, so we are going to get out of here tonight. Again, next week, uh, chapters 23 through 29. Any thoughts you have on anything up to and including chapter uh, 29, feel free to send us voicemails or emails or whatever you'd like, and we'll get you on the show. There's contact info coming up shortly. And, uh, Meg, thank you so much for doing this tonight, especially since thank you, you. a four-month-old, you know, apparently yes. out there learning, dreaming of the day when he will be vomiting all over the place. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> That's what boys dream about, you know? I no, think it is. I think you're right. No comment on that. And, um... <laughs> And with that, we will uh, see you guys all back next week. And, uh, Jen, if you're listening out there, come back next week or I'm going to start making up. I'm going to make up stories about where you are and inevitably these stories will be embarrassing. So just come back and tell us the embarrassing things that actually really happened to you anyway. All right. Have a great night, everybody. All right. Well, you too. Thank you for the fun. Anytime. Perfect Weekly where the fun never ends. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Night, everybody. Yep. Night. Good night. Hey everyone, this is Meg again. The author of A Year Like None Other, Aspen in the Sunlight, has sent in her thoughts and comments via email about last week's podcast discussing chapters 1 through 11 of A Year Like None Other. It's my pleasure to share those thoughts with you now. The first thing I had thoughts on was Legilemens. I don't read canon to say that Snape is habitually using it on his students. It is possible to read canon that way, but I simply never did. My Snape has a sense of decorum about the matter and doesn't throw legilimens around without good reason. He had such a reason in the hospital when the blood wards depended on figuring out how to influence Vernon Dursley. That was kind of an end-justifies-the-means moment, but in general, Snape would refrain from using casual legilimency. I certainly don't see him using it as a classroom tool, even if only for humiliation. Then there was Obliviate, 
and the question of why Hermione practically went into apoplexy at the mention of it being done to her when, as pointed out, Harry had just seen Snape obliviate the nurse to lose no more than a few minutes. Well, in this case, I think you have to consider the point of view limitation. Harry saw that, sure. Hermione did not, and I can't imagine Harry having had much reason to tell her that particular detail, or at least not in advance of Snape's threat to obliviate Hermione. So the question becomes, what did Hermione legitimately have cause to know about as far as Obliviate was concerned? I'm assuming her only exposure to that spell was Harry and Ron's report of it having backfired on Lockhart, which caused him to lose his entire memory and sense of self. Then, wasn't Hermione with them in Order of the Phoenix when they visited Ron's dad in the hospital and saw how badly off Lockhart still was? I'm not sure she was there, but I think she was, and that would have reinforced her view of the spell as inherently very destructive. Unless she had separate cause to investigate lesser uses of it, I don't think she would have realized it wasn't always so awful. Therefore, her dramatic reaction. Your suspicions that I was going to cause a big fight so I could sweep the trio out of the way and make Harry rely solely on Snape. No spoilers, but I will say that I really enjoy the trio and hate fix that write them out, so to speak. They're a big part of Harry's life, and I don't think I could write a fic that discounted that. That's not to say that the trio doesn't have ups and downs. They have ups and downs and more in this fic. I tried to write it organically, meaning that I had Ron and Hermione react to changing circumstances as I genuinely thought they would, and circumstances change more than once as we proceed. They don't always react as we as we'd ideally like, and they have issues that have to be worked through. But that's life. Even the best of friends go through things. But the point is that they go through them, if you know what I mean. No, Ron will not be taking a sudden vacation to visit Charlie in Romania while Hermione manages to charm herself into a book that promptly gets lost. No. I've actually had readers gush at me that they loved how the trio remained the trio here, even despite their problems and definitely despite what's going to happen with Harry's family life. It should also be mentioned that at the end of Aspen's email, she said, If you see Jen around, do please tell her she's in my prayers. Indeed, Jen is in everyone's prayers as well as our hearts at this time. So thanks to Aspen for her clarifications. I'm sure many of you are as relieved as I am that Ron and Hermione are not going to vanish due to some mysterious unknown reason. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you've heard anything in this episode that you would like to comment on or would like to contribute to the show, you can email any of our staff at their names at potherfickweekly.com or you can email staff at potherfickweekly.com. If you would like to send in a voicemail message, you can either call 781-352-0643 and you can leave a voicemail up to two minutes in length or you can email us an audio file to our email address and we can play that on the show. You can also download a program called the Gizmo Project and you can uh, contact us that way through your computer. For more information, visit potherfickweekly.com.